What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 136 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Here with the new setup. Yes. Yep. And I want to apologize. We thought we were going to do a show earlier in the week. Had some location issues. Had to push it until Friday. But Friday's mm -hmm. probably better for you guys anyway because you don't have to work tomorrow. Yeah. So we were, we were requested to uh, by the lady of the house to not take up the entire ground floor. <laughs> Uh, Rightly so, I think. So we, we moved to a, a separate room. <laughs> yep. So we're in uh, one of Matt's two living rooms? Do you have three living rooms? Two. So this is like the, I don't know, one of them's a, fam a great room, and one of, them's a, <laughs> one of them's a living room or family room. I don't know. Yeah. I call it the front room. There you go. Here we are in the front room, and it is the front room. It's right at the front of the house. So uh, do you want to apologize? We were supposed to do a show earlier. We didn't. Uh, we're doing the best we can to get as many Fs to you guys as we can. Also, it's just been so damn dry. Yeah. Still. But Matt, I believe the drought is finally over. I had to put together this month's dossier, the games of August, and it took me like three days because there yeah, are so... Yeah, was a big one. I saw that. Oh my God, 53 games. And look, PC is insane, Matt. Literally, there are like 30 or 40 games coming out for every day of every month. So wow. there's lots of cuts that are made before we, we put the final uh, bow on dossier. But even at that, we got up to 53. So tons of games coming out this month. I think the drought's over. I think we're going to have great shows here until the end of the year. The floodgates are opening. And I know we have a great show for you guys tonight. So let's get straight to it. We're going to talk to you first about a game we spoke about in the last episode. But we were kind of previewing it. Mm -hmm. uh, we have now spent a ton of time with it. And we're going to talk about our experiences with No Man's Sky next. Um, obviously, a game that Matt and I had differing opinions on at launch and a lot of people have been saying this is the game that we thought we were getting back mm -hmm. when it launched. Uh, would you agree with that? Um, it's, it's closer to the game that I think some, of, some people thought they were getting. I got pretty much what I thought it was going to be. Okay. Uh, minus some quality of life problems. Right. Um, except for, I mean, I didn't expect there to be literally no multiplayer in the code of the game. Right. That was a surprise. But as someone who didn't care about multiplayer, it didn't damage anything to me. Do you care about it now that you've experienced uh, it? Only in the sense that when people randomly join or show up in my game, the frame rate tanks on the PlayStation 4. <laughs> um, so I don't care about multiplayer in this game at all. So you didn't uh, have fun hanging out? So here's what happened yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. I uh, joined Matt's game and got to go into mm -hmm. his world and see all the stuff that he's built, which is absolutely amazing, by the way. Compared to what I accomplished in this game, Matt is like a god of No Man's Sky. You didn't enjoy it a little more, me being in there and us kind of right, plucking then, around? Well, yeah, but then I kept doing my thing and you got stuck on the ground because you didn't know how to make the launch fuel or like you couldn't find the, the yeah. crystals you needed. Yeah, I couldn't. So. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I will say is the game, don't think that it's like a completely different game now. No, it's still a survival game with all the same kind of, you know, very crafting heavy. Um, it's obviously much better looking. The the, the geology is more varied. Uh, there's varied uh, gravity now. It'll, it'll be. It's not. Uh, I think they're planning to make it more varied as they as you go along. But there are like there are some planets you'll be on where like your jetpack will take you like with one burst like 30 feet in the air, and some where it's like you're barely hopping along. Um, I like that. Yeah, I mean it's that's good. the way it should be. It's more realistic. Uh, it, seem, it seems like they, the planets rotate in some form now. Like you're not. You know, the the place you need to go is not always going to be in the same place when you leave. Um, which is cool. Um, you know, you got ringed planets now. There's like big mountains and deep canyons. I, I feel like they have removed sea creatures. I have not seen any fish. 
I haven't spent um, a ton of time in the water since I started playing this again. Yeah, but like, but I've been to a bunch of different planets on all three cons, all three platforms, and I have not seen a water creature. So I think they might have taken those out for now. But it appears to me that there are way more land creatures. Yes. Per planet, especially. Well, they're also like easier to find. So it's like un- it's there used to be a thing where like sometimes there'd be you know there'd be like twelve species on a planet and you just never see them. You see the like, same ones over and over. You see, yeah, you yeah. see two or three, but now they they're much better about spawning things. Like all around you, and like you know, they move in herds now, and yeah. like, you know, there's there's actual like behavior with them, and like predators will hunt the other guys, and the herds will run away from them, and like it's it's it it all works real real well um, for the most part. Uh, there were some sea creatures. Yeah, I mean, I just haven't seen any because <laughs> uh, it used to be like on the old version. Because I haven't played a whole lot since the. This is the most I've played since. Probably the first patch, like the, the, the Pathfinder patch, right. maybe. Or maybe the path yeah, the Pathfinder patch when they added the vehicles. That's probably the most I played last. Um, I think that was the second one. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. I will say, so I've, I have like had like 200 some hours in, in this game, and I had to start a new game and play through the tutorial on this because they changed everything i did like, not do that and it has yes. certainly been presenting some challenges for me yeah <laughs> all the elements are different what you use to do everything is different how you do that is different like even something as simple as like charging the launch thruster is different now um and a little more busy worky which i'm not a huge fan like there's a couple things that like you know, in the old days, to charge the launch thruster, you just threw a bunch of plutonium in it. Yeah. And now you have to you have to have ferrite dust to craft a metal plate, and then you take the metal plate and dihydrogen and craft launch thruster fuel, and then you stick the launch thruster fuel in the launch thruster. Yeah. And it's like, a little much. Yeah, to guys. me, that is one part of the game that should have gone the other direction. Yeah. They should have made it simpler and easier and instead it's become actually a little more complicated in some cases yeah and it means it's a real fat now it's just like boom boom click 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 done but like why not just just let me do the thing and because there's no because they, they did add like you know you can do the with the d-pad you can recharge stuff from like the little pop-up menu but obviously you can't do that until you've crafted the thing the launch thruster fuel and there's no like shortcut like you can't just go to the launch thruster fuel or like a, a recipe that uses like other crafted things and say have the game detect that you have all the all the components to make those crafted things and just jump to the final product right you have to craft each thing individually which like i find a little tedious um there's still a lot maybe of tedium that's, in the game maybe yeah. that shortcut thing would be like i don't know like like blasphemy and like the the survival game world i don't know i don't play it might enough be. Of them to know. i don't know it well enough to, right <laughs> to say but like to me i'm just like look if i have the the, the components i need to craft an antimatter or, a, or a, a warp cell just let me click warp cell and be done yeah and then they also added there's a lot of portable technology now which is like little things you can carry around with you so you don't have to craft them over and over again uh and one of them is a refining machine where you have to put the machine down and then you charge it with ca- uh, carbon and then you stick whatever you want in and it will refine the thing into something else. And the most common thing for me is usually any kind of refining any kind of metal into uh, um, uh, the colored metal. I, I can't, chromatic metal, I think it's called, or, or something like that. Because uh, you use that to do a bunch of var- various things, uh, crafting antimatter for warp cells and repairing technology, repairing the ship sometimes. Um, uh, building some stuff and uh, so basically you stick it in and you hit action you know you, you hold X and go and like you basically have to sit there and watch it for like a minute 
And I'm like, the last thing I need in this game is more stuff to stare at and wait. Like, hurry up and wait is not an interesting gameplay mechanic. So I'm not, like, super thrilled by that. Eventually, it looks like you can put, like, bigger ones in your base and combine different elements and you kind of, like, keep them running while you're not there and kind of thing. I, I do have a new thing on one of my bases where I, it just continually processes oxygen. So every time That's I go good. back, I can just pull oxygen out of yeah. it and, like, I'm, I'm good. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that. I know there were people that were, like, wishing there was a way to, like, have... You know, have have the base sort of automatically mine stuff, so you didn't have to constantly run around gathering yeah. stuff. And there are options for that now, as long as you keep them charged. Yes, the other thing is um, charging stuff, like keeping your technology charged at the base, takes so much less material now. Like so, like you have to, you used to have to charge the uh, like the 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 greenhouse, like little like like you know the farming things, and it, the hydroponic. Yeah, like the hydroponic yeah. bays would take like. Um, I remember it was like 20 or so carbon. Now it takes like four. Yeah. Like it's just boom, boom, boom. And like you can. That can make a big difference. So, yeah. and, and I will. So the, the, it's, it's, there is some tedium added, uh, which I'm not, you know, which is not, I mean, it's kind of a tedious game anyway. Um, so like if you're kind of already in, this isn't going to make or break it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I will say is I think I, they've done a really good job um, making everything you can do in the game useful uh, for. The other, like they've made all the systems interlink in a much more meaningful manner than before. Whereas before, so, and the, probably the best example is like so now there's the the nanite cluster currency which you can use to to buy upgrades, um, for your suit and for your ship and everything. And those these some of these are substantial. Like if you spend four hundred or so nanite clusters on an S S rank module, that's a big jump. It's a big jump in tech for whatever you're upgrading. Uh, in fact, money making tip, S class scanner module upgrades. Um, up your, the money you get for scanning plants and animals by 8,000 or so percent. So, yeah. so right now I've got three of those plugged in on my PC save and I'm making like 200,000 credits every time I scan a creature, uh, which is not insubstantial. That makes a big difference, when, you know, yeah. for, you know, When you take a whole solar system into account. Um, and that's a pretty good, actually a pretty good example of one of the things they've done to balance this better. Is like, so back in the day, before the patch, when you scanned animals in the, old, in the original game, you scan them, and then you could upload them to, or re, you know, rename them if you want, but you upload them and you get, you get units for it. You get money. Um, and after a while, it was like, well, that's a fun mechanic, because I love scanning things, but like, the money is so small from that that there's just no reason to do it, because you're already making tons more money from mining or from whatever. So what they've done now is when you scan the creature, you get the money immediately. And of course, that scanner upgrade makes it very lucrative anyway. Yeah. If you upload them to the discovery database, you get nanite clusters, the, uh, the upgrade currency, basically. Yep. So now every plant, every animal, every planet, all that stuff you scan and upload, you're getting five to 10 nanite clusters that you can then use to upgrade your character in a very substantial way. Um, and I think that loop is, a, is much more effective and much more true to the kind of discovery element. Uh, of the game that uh, before kind of felt like an afterthought. And you, you keep running into things that, you know, there's tons of stuff like that and how everything kind of interacts with itself now. Finding, you know, finding, digging through, you know, the little 
the little like you know piles of boxes and you find like navigation data chips and then you can use your portable scanner and plug the navigation data chip in and find the exact kind of sh uh, building you want to find and like say you go to the alien artifact and you go find the alien artifact and you talk to that alien artifact thing and you can choose to either le learn a word of the language or learn about the past if you learn about the past you can get the location of an ancient ruin and you go to the ancient ruin use your scanner which you've had to upgrade with the other things you've used and you can see this chest underground you use the 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 terrain manipulator and you get to the chest and the chest needs ancient keys to be open and if you look around for the ancient ruins you'll find those keys and you stick those keys and you get that and um, every almost every time you'll get something that out of that chest that sells for between a hundred thousand to like three million credits and then you go up and you can sell that now you've got more money that you could buy something else maybe you could buy a frigate and send that on a new mission but it all kind of it all weaves together. together it's also it weaves together in a way very complicated it is complicated <laughs> but it weaves together in a way that the previous version of the game did simply did not yeah and Absolutely. that was the part of the problem with like the flow of the old No Man's Sky was you'd hit these points where you're like, but why am I doing this? I should never do this again because it's not getting me anywhere. And almost anything you can think of to do in this, in this, this version of the game does get you somewhere in yeah. some way. Uh, okay, so you've given your perspective as someone who really liked it at launch and has played a ton mm -hmm. of it. Here's my perspective as someone who played a good bit of it at launch, liked it, didn't love it, and hasn't touched it since. Mm -hmm. It's still really confusing. What, yeah. what you need to do, what order you need to do it. Um, I, when I first started the game, I tried to just start playing by myself, to play through like the new campaign mm. stuff, the new single player stuff. And I went and looked at the galaxy map and it showed where I needed to go, which was a long ways away. And I kept trying to set up a waypoint to teach me how to, to tell me how to get there. I couldn't get it to work. I eventually just gave up. And as it turns out, I talked to you later, I needed to be able to warp there Right. Which meant I needed to construct a warp drive. Is that what? Is you need, that, to, is that the you right need term? to make a warp cell so warp you can charge right. your hyperdrive. Right. And I think you already passed the point where the game teaches you to do that in your yeah. in the in the save from the previous before the patch, and so there's no way to make the game tell you that again. Basically, it wasn't even that I needed that. It's that I think I just thought I didn't think they would ask me to warp to start the first mission. Well, I figured that they would just say, okay, here's a generic mission, maybe a a search See, and find mission, it, that's and we'll just put it on whatever mission. the planet is nearest to your ship, so that you could just get started. Well, see, that's not the first mission, though. I don't know where you are in that quest chain, but it's it's later. If they're having you warp somewhere, it's later on. Like you're continuing off, uh, however far. What along, my save was. What from your before. old save was God, from before. Yeah. And some of that will change here and there, but like you basically, like you're so far along, you're probably on the Atlas path. I am, yeah. Um, and so now there's another story. There's a whole separate story mission. Yeah, yeah. Set, like the, the the story they added in the in the last the 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 other pat, patch from like the previous patch. That's a whole separate thing from the Atlas quest. So I was um, frustrated for a while trying yeah. to figure that out. But as soon as in the footage you're seeing right now is Matt and I playing. I am playing in Matt's world. This is Matt and I hunting down wildlife, scanning, having fun. Once I joined your game, I loved the game. And that's and I after I finished playing with you, I put it down for a couple hours. I went back. I joined a couple of other people's games. It's great. Like I know you said you didn't like. Multi I love multiplayer in this. I one I loved going to your world, seeing the stuff that you've built, the stuff that you have, learning from you as we play because you're so much more mm -hmm. experienced at the game than me. You're almost like my Sherpa. Like playing, you probably even realize it. But when I'm playing with you, I'm watching very closely what you're doing so that I can learn and. And so I can learn how to kind of maximize my time with the game. I absolutely loved playing with somebody else in this game. Until I rocket boost. Right, right. Well, I was trying you. to follow Matt around, yeah. and he's so much better at the game. He was just leaving me in the dust. Like, 
he knows this secret rocket jump move yeah, that the, I don't the know. Boost, and, the boost jump thing where you, you melee and then you hit rocket, you rocket pack yeah. and you fly I wasn't forward. even aware of that. I just saw Matt just take off and just fly up. Like into the stratosphere, I was like, wait for me, and you just left me behind. But I, I really, really love playing this cooperatively. I can't imagine what it's like when you get maybe like five or six people together in the same world, like mm -hmm. working on stuff. But I, uh, I don't feel like I have a desire or a want to even try the single player stuff now because I know I can just jump in with somebody else and chances are I'm gonna experience something completely different. Like the creatures that were on the planets that you're on, I've never seen those creatures before. So mm. all the creatures I scanned were all brand new. Like I love how easy it is. And like, you're right. I should have started the tutorial, like started a new save, went through the tutorial, then loaded up my old save. Mm. Instead I was like, no, I don't want to lose all my stuff. I wasn't thinking. And I was like, I don't want to well, lose Well, also to be fair, in the probably the last time you played the game, I think it was only one save slot per month. It was, yeah. So like, yeah. the idea, the, so if you wanted to the start idea a new game before, you'd have, have to, game. you'd have to yeah. start, you'd have to erase your save. Yeah, but now you've got like, I think eight or 10 yeah, it seems like slots. It. So that's, so what I did is I actually, cause you know, I'm a nut for this game. So I actually did buy the Xbox version. And so I played that first because I first I loaded up my PC save, mm -hmm. and I didn't recognize anything in my inventory. Like all my yeah, all my tech thing. was Some all my stuff. tech was gone. Yeah, uh, and all the all tech the, is gone, and like you have to scrap it and get just like yeah. resources. From you get it. you get uh, well when I did it, you just got technology modules from it, which is useful, right. but not great. And so they fixed it in the first hot fix. Now you get technology modules and nanite clusters, which you can use to buy more upgrades, which is a, be a much more logical thing to give you for doing that. It was disappointing to look at my inventory and see that maybe 25 to 30% of the stuff that I had worked on getting was mm -hmm. like just worthless. Well, for me, I, so I had a freighter that was full of every kind of exotic material. So all the stuff that was like the hard, purple stuff, the hardest stuff to find. And all of that was converted to magnet magnetized ferrite. You know, it's, and so now my freighter is literally full of thousands of <laughs> units of magnetized ferrite and pure ferrite. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what yeah. they use that for. So I went back and I started the, the Xbox version from scratch because I obviously had no save there. Yeah. And I started to play through that just to, also just to see what it was like to start a, a new save because mm -hmm. I hadn't done that in, since the game came out. Yeah. And um, the tutorial, kind of the early missions that teach you how everything functions, like I, they're pretty much mandatory. To, to understand how the game works now with all like the yeah. portable tech stuff and, I did and not how the that. blueprint analyzer works, which didn't matter, which I wouldn't have learned from my old save anyway, because for a while they did not give you the blueprint analyzer if you had an old save, right. which kind of was a bit of a roadblock, but now they fixed that. Um, it was, it, you know, so definitely I would say if you, if you have an old save, don't get rid of it. You can totally play. I mean, I've, been, I've played another 40 hours on my 150 hour save on the PC since I went through the tutorial and understood everything. Because then it was like night and day. I played through like probably three hours of the Xbox version. And I'm like, okay, I think I get it now. I'm going to go back. I went back to my PC save and looked through my inventory again. I was like, oh, okay, I know what everything here does and what I can make with that. And I don't need that much of this. And I can sell some of that. I can, and I was able to kind of reorganize everything, understand what's important and what's less important and what's rare and what's not rare. And it's like, okay, do I really need to keep you know, 5,000 units of pure ferrite around? No, I don't. Not unless I'm building stuff, you know? It, it was, the tutorial really got me in, and it's like, you know, I have hundreds of hours of experience in this game, and I loaded this patch up, and I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, it, it really was, does feel like a completely They completely changed everything. There's so much about it that's different. Like, for instance, whenever I met you here at the base that we're at right now, look at all the ships coming in. Like, when I played this at first, like, this mm -hmm. didn't happen. Like, there weren't ships constantly rolling into bases, and, like, it feels alive now. Whereas when I played it before, it felt very much like a Metroid 
I'm all by myself, it's me against the world type thing, which has its charms. Mm. And I think that works better in a more action-oriented game than it does here. Um, but now the game just feels like it's this living, breathing thing, which was what I thought the game was supposed to be all along. And now I feel like they have actually achieved, at least mm. for me personally, what I had thought No Man's Sky was going right. to be. Again, oh, I love the multiplayer. I love being in these worlds with other people. And it's very easy, very seamless. Mm. Literally, I just click on your name, load my save, and it takes like 90 seconds and I'm in your world. And I'm when I spawned, I spawned in space, mm -hmm. but then I was right next to a space station that was called like your name, space yeah. station. Well, because I named the system after me because yeah, it, yeah. it was the first place I started. So then I flew in, found you inside the base. We, I had that moment where I was like, it's Matt, it's somebody I know in No Man's Sky, it's awesome. And then you like took off, and then I followed you. I got in my ship and followed you. We went down to the planet's surface, and as soon as I took off, I had a waypoint to your world, to, or to your base. Uh, flew right down to your base, landed on the ground, and then off we went together, adventuring. I love it. Like, to me, this game is way better now than it was before. I feel like I, you know, one of my big complaints was that I felt like there was, uh, there was no purpose to the game a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I still feel like I haven't played enough of the single player to know whether that's the case now or not, playing by yourself. But when I'm playing with somebody else, I don't really care if there's a purpose because I'm intrinsically having fun just being with another person in the world. It's interesting. It doesn't show you my uh, my technician guys. Yeah. In my, in my in my world, I see I have guys manning aliens all these manning stations. All these stations. Yeah. yeah. And also, the, you can see that the the ground is popping up through the bottom of the yeah. base. Like that. It, it, there's still a few bugs in the system. Like yeah. That was yeah, the yeah. base I had from my old uh, save, and it just sort of like. Um, Oh, and the reason I was murdering all these animals while you were here is because I had a, I had a quest to kill 30 creatures. Oh, okay. And I, I was helping you. I, I see you go after a creature. Yeah, I, don't, I don't just run around murdering animals in this game all yeah. the time. But, like, you gotta, get, you gotta get those nanite clusters. But, yeah, and I saw you doing that, and I, just, I jumped in and helped you as much as I could. So, I love that aesthetic inside games like this, and now that it finally has it, it completely flips the script for me. I think another big deal to me, believe it or not, is being able to play in third person. I didn't think it would have that big of an impact on like how much I enjoyed the game, but for whatever reason, it it humanizes the game a little more, mm. and it doesn't feel like this weird like looking through a screen at this alien world as it did before. Being able to see the the personification of my avatar uh, for me just creates like a different mood for the game that I really liked. Um, mm. Also, the it seems like the worlds and maybe I, we were just lucky or I was lucky with the worlds I checked out. The worlds seem to make more sense now. Now they've definitely improved the the terrain generation. Yeah. Um, there's like they feel like geologically formed places now. Absolutely. In a way they didn't. There's before. like a theme to each world now, whereas before it was just like you could tell it had just been thrown right. into a blender, and this is what came out. Right. And they've got the like when you scan them from from space, you can see like you'll see like oh this is a torrid world or a yeah. toxic world or a barren world or a I, I found a paradise world. Um, which was like, you know, no storms, no nothing, just full of grass and fruit, basically. There were still um, a couple creatures where you could tell it would oh, just yeah, been I mean, like get, snapped together from parts. You get but, that same, uh, you get this uh, same kind of like five or six like brand No Swagosaurus Rex or anything. But. Not so far, but maybe <laughs> one day. You'll never top the Swagosaurus Rex. No, I feel like they've probably prevented that particular creature yeah, they probably from, did. <laughs> from spawning ever again. <laughs> Um, they just outlawed the parts that built up. If I ever met Sean Murray, I probably wouldn't tell him I'm the one. <laughs> no, that, you absolutely that. should. But 
But because uh, I meant it as like I thought it was funny. Right. Like, I thought it, it was like oh, it's, it's part of the charm of the game was finding these ridiculous things, and it ended up being like one of the things people use to show that like this it's game a piece sucks. Of junk. Yeah. I was like, yeah. man, if you if that doesn't entertain you, I don't know what to tell you. When good like, intentions go wrong, right? Is basically, what happened there. But uh, no, so I think it's a tremendous improvement. Absolutely. Um, and again, I did not do the half step updates. I went from yeah. vanilla Sky oh. to to this. And I did play the other updates, not tremendously extensively in places, yeah. but I, and I think this is a definite leap. Like it's it's for sure. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's a quality of life, like the new the new uh, quest, um, the the non Atlas main quest that kind of gets into some weird quantum other realities and and uh, Lovecraftian stuff here and there. And, I can, and there's like new surprises. There's like monsters that'll attack you if you try to grab the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, in some of the footage we had like these, like I went and like went up to this vine and it came alive and like yeah. poisoned me. Yeah, well those have always been there. Um, I had never encountered them before. That's funny. Yeah. But that's, that is kind of the beauty of this game yeah. though, how everyone's experience is different. Uh, and again, that's why I enjoyed going mm. to your world because I got to experience a bunch of stuff I'd never seen before. Yeah, and just there's a lot of more thought put into how, you know, because like they, so they have the drop pods. Which can, and there's in every space station you go to, there's also a little drop pod. It's not a drop pod, but it's the same station. You can add a, an inventory slot to your exosuit. And you can add normal slots, but you can also add technology slots. You can add cargo slots. Cargo slots hold double the amount of uh, resource when yeah. you put it in there. Now, that costs a lot of credits as you keep as you're going up. So right now, to, to add another cargo slot to my exosuit, I think I would have to spend something like 1, 1.2 million credits. But if you find a drop pod on the ground on a planet, it's broken and you can repair it with like a little ionized, I think it's a little ionized cobalt and an antimatter globe. And you can just, you get the slot upgrade for free. And like once you're that high up, like what a great trade. Like yeah, absolutely. Some, some basic elements for a really useful uh, upgrade. And that feels really good too. The drop pods are harder to find now, but like the reward is even better. Like they've done a really good job of making you feel like the work you did is equivalent to the reward you get. And, I'm still uh, and that was the... one of the biggest problems with the game, was just that you, you right. felt like you were doing all this stuff and not getting anything of note for it. You're not getting equal value for the work right. put in. Like, if, yeah. you, if your reward for playing the game wasn't seeing all these weird planets, yeah. there wasn't really anything else for right. you. You're absolutely right. And um, that's not true anymore. There's, yeah. there's a lot more there. So would you recommend this to somebody who maybe tried it, kind of liked it, but... Decided against it, against maybe a purchase ultimately. Yeah, I would. I would say. I think this gets you over the hump. Absolutely. I mean, if you hate crafting survival games, like it's probably still going to annoy you. I mean, you're you're still doing a lot of that. And I look, I still have like the inventory shuffle where I still don't have enough spaces and like, oh, I need to craft something, so I just need to drop something on the ground, so I have the empty space to craft it. So that part of, for me anyway, that that part of the survival game is still there. Yeah, it's still a lot of inventory management. It's better now. It is. It's not flawless. It still kind of feels like the interface is built for a mouse. Yeah. Um, But, like, you can actually pick anything up and drop it in another slot, which you couldn't before. And combine it, Uh, But also, if you just want to arrange your inventory, if you want to move this over here, like, you can do that. Or organize it. And you pick pick it up, move it to another inventory. It's it's just much more friendly now. Yeah. and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for, I'm still waiting for a few things. I mean, I know they're doing the, up, the weekly updates, like, starting, I think, next week. Um, they've done a lot of hot fixes so far for a lot of the weird bugs they introduced. I hope at some point they let you uh, upgrade your ship. 
Uh, I'd like to add some some technology slots to my ship. I'd like to paint my ship. I'd like to. That seems so basic. Yeah. Well, because right, right, the other thing, like, like they added a lot of the color they of added a ship. lot of detail to the ships. They look now. a lot better. Yeah. But my ship, because my ship is a rescue. My ship was a crash ship, a forty-eight slot ship, because I did that glitch where you just right trade up and trade up and trade up. So I have a forty-eight slot ship. But now with the new detail, it's like rusted and like kind of oh, beat really? up. Oh, really? And it looks kind of cool. It looks kind of Star Wars Millennium Falcon-ish uh -huh. like in terms of like a, a used, you yeah. know, used ship. But I wouldn't mind painting it up nice. You or know? a color that, even just a color that you want. Well, yeah, I don't like the... I have, a, I have a... My PC ship is like this weird rusty puke orange and I would definitely like almost any other color. My car, my, or my ship is like Neapolitan. It's like... Yeah, I saw that. You, you, you had kind of a nice strawberry and chocolate thing. Yeah, it's like... It's like every color under the... Because all I did was just get the best parts. I didn't care what color they were. Right. I'm just like... I need to upgrade this ship as quick as possible so it's functional the way yeah, I, I, I want I did that it. a lot when I was starting out, but once you get yeah. that, that top tier one. Once of you course, get all that coin. Well, of course, mine is, uh, C, is a C-class. All right. So like, and I've seen a couple S-classes, but they're not worth, you know, they, they're, they have fewer, less inventory space, and like, so I have, I've passed and they're way expensive, so I'm not paying that much for a less inventory space. Yeah. But now it's interesting that like you can actually have multiple ships. Right, uh, where you can you can just you can find crash ships. I did actually find a crash ship that I loved the look of, so I just I didn't trade it in. I just took it and it went it to my freighter. Uh, oh, that's another thing. Uh, you get a freighter. You get a free freighter. <laughs> that's a big deal. Before you had to, when the freighter update, you had to pay to buy the freighter. Right. Now the game will will give you a free freighter if you don't have one. Uh, and the way that works is you'll jump into a system and there'll be a, a like a fight around a freighter. And if you shoot down all the attacking pirate ships. The, they'll invite you in. And they've always, like, if, you, if you save a freighter, like, they've always done that. Like, they invite you in and they give you something. Yeah. Well, in this case, when you do that, you, they invite you in and they say, hey, the ship is yours if you want it. Here's the trick. If you do that to a freighter you don't want and you decline it, it looks like you never get a free freighter again. Really? So my so take it. So, no, <laughs> so my advice is it doesn't look like it triggers unless you actually blow all the ships up. So my advice is if you jump into a system and see that happening, see that event happening, if you don't like the way that freighter looks, don't, don't help them. Don't get in a fight. Okay. Like, don't help them and wait for it to spawn another time in another solar system. Hopefully that's something they patch maybe, too. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, look, I have enough money to probably trade in for a better freighter. But look, I saved a freighter, without realizing I saved a freighter in my PS4 save that I didn't love the look of. But it had thirty some slots in it, and I'm just like, you know Who what? Cares? I'm just gonna take that. <laughs> I need the that's slots. fine. Uh, yeah. They're really important. So yeah, I mean, as somebody who liked No Man's Sky at first, didn't love it, but liked it, and was still glad that they had jumped in and played it. Like I wholeheartedly recommend this game now. Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who was on the fence and was really excited for this game, and then the reviews came out, and then you pulled back and didn't buy it. I think you should get it now because you obviously were intrigued by the idea and the concepts of No Man's Sky. You just, the execution wasn't good enough for you to plunk down your money. I think now it is. Yeah. Like if, if you're, if you know it's a survival game, you know what it's about and you were just kind of sitting on the fence, I think you should absolutely go for it now. Um, I think having friends who have the game will help a ton. It's helped me enjoy mm -hmm. it a way more than I thought I was going to. I didn't really scratch the single player stuff yet and I've had a blast with it. So um, and all the other streamlined stuff we've talked about, like they really have made it mostly more user friendly. Yeah. If this, if it to had come extent. out, if it had come out in this state, no one would have complained. It probably would have won game of the year. Yeah. People wouldn't have, you know, people wouldn't have universally loved it because not this game isn't this yeah, kind of game isn't for right. anyone. Any yeah. kind of survival crafting game isn't for everyone. Yeah. 
but I don't think anyone would have had any serious complaints. It's just it, at the most, it would have been people's like, ah, it's not for me, right? Uh, as opposed instead to instead of as what opposed to, as opposed to what is this? What is this fresh hell? As opposed to sending death threats right. to to random people on on the internet. So yeah, Matt and I are both loving uh, No Man's Sky next, and uh, if you were someone who was intrigued by the concept when you first heard about it, I think you will too. Yeah. So let's move on. We're going to talk next about game length, something we've never discussed before on Game Face. One of the few topics we've never discussed before on Game Face. The law of diminishing returns is definitely starting to hit the tipping point with this show, where I'm like, wait a minute. And then I start doing like a search on my PC for the folder that has all the rundowns to figure out if we've Mm -hmm. talked about something before. Uh, This is something we've not talked about, and I think it's interesting because... It's almost like a sliding scale. So what I want to answer here is what is the perfect length for a video game? And I started doing Mm -hmm. research into this topic and what I realized was that it changes depending on the genre of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Or does it? I guess that's what I want to discuss. Does it really matter what the genre is or is it... Is it dependent on the quality of the game? Yeah, well, I think it it is in part dependent on the genre. Like, like I was perfectly happy for The Witcher 3 to last 100 hours, but as much as I enjoyed Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, I would not have wanted to play 100 hours of that game. Um, There's a a certain certain gameplay loops can keep my attention longer. Uh, And if you you add kind of an exploration element to it, um, that is certainly something that will keep me going longer than just like, oh, better shoot that guy too. You know, like it's, yeah. it depends. Like I, 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 for me, like a, like a good, like, you know, open world RPG, like I, I like to, I like to get, you know, 60 to a hundred out of it, depending on how much of the side stuff I'm willing to do. Uh, for a good shooter, I like that to be like about like a 10 to 12 hour campaign. Why, um, why is that? I think it's just a, it's a difference in like kind of how long that sort of Twitch style gameplay can keep me engrossed as opposed to sort of being invested in the upgrading of a character and the, you know, the, the evolution of, a, you know, if there's a party or there's characters that interact with each other, the evolution of those relationships and sort of like getting further into the world and, and learning more about the world and upgrading more and more and kind of, you know, going on that journey with those characters, which is sort of how an RPG sort of rolls. Ah, I roll. Um, <laughs> like that's sort of how that rolls in terms of, um, you know, how they get you invested in what you're after. Uh, and for something that's a more kind of straight action, I tend to want it to be closer to like a 10-hour experience. But like it's interesting that you're running God of War right now because that's the kind of game where if you'd just shown it to me and said, how long do you think that should last? I would have said like, oh, like 10 hours, like 8 to 10 hours. But that was more like a 20-hour game. And I honestly would have gone another 10. That's that. why we're showing God of War because this was the game that really kind of threw a wrench in the works mm-hmm. for me. Because I agree with you. Like that's also why we had Call of Duty loaded up. And you, mm-hmm. it's funny because of closely I've loaded up in the TriCaster, you just went through two of them. <laughs> and I chose them knowing that those would probably be games that would foster the discussion. You're right. Like, do I want to play a Call of Duty campaign for 30 hours? No. And I think a big part of that is because it's repetitive. Mm-hmm. You're essentially, sure, you maybe get new weapons and there are set piece moments that maybe last for 90 seconds or whatever. For the most part, you're shooting, throwing a grenade, reloading, rinse and repeat for right. and it does get old. And I think when you start talking about open world ac- action RPGs, there's a lot more variety and you can craft the character how you want. Like in most of them, you can be more spell oriented or you can be more melee oriented or you could be a ranged character. In a lot of more straightforward action games, that's really not the case. It kind of mm-hmm. dictates to you what you're gonna do, 
when you're gonna do it, and how long it's gonna take. And to me, I feel like when the studio takes total control over how a game plays out, I generally want the games to be shorter. Mm-hmm. When I get more agency, and I kind of control how things play out, then I want the games to be longer. Mm-hmm. But I will, I will say, like for games like a God of War or a Witcher, to me, even with games like that, the 30 to 35 hour mark is, I think they should end. And to me, the biggest offenders for games that are longer than they need to be, JRPGs. Mm-hmm. And to me, a perfect example of that is Persona 5. That game does not need to be 100 hours long. That, that <laughs> game, to me, would be way more enjoyable if they had crunched down the prose, the, the story, into its essence to like a 30 or 40 hour game. I mean, there are literally sections of this game that are 10 to 15 hours long where you're basically doing the same thing over and over again. And don't get me wrong, I really like Persona 5. I gave it a great eval when it came out. I talked very highly of it on the show. But at around hour, like, 68 or whatever, I was like, wait a minute. Like, and then I realized, oh, my God, I'm not even anywhere near the end. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up going over 100 hours. And so... To me, I, th- I think the irony of our industry is that a lot of times the games that should be shorter are the games that end up being really, really long. And per- almost all JRPGs are that way. Like, and, I, and that's one of the reasons why Octopath Traveler turned me off because I could see where it was headed. I was like, oh man, I've done this a million times. I can see what's gonna happen here. I'm gonna grind for the next like 50 hours just waiting for that IV drip of plot to be given to me mm. while I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think JRPGs in general are guilty of being bloated. Um, yeah, I, I, well, also, like my, like, my issue with Persona 5 isn't so much that it lasted as long as it did in, in, um, in principle, but in the sense that, like, I would not have noticed how long it was as much if so much of the game wasn't just repeating itself not in terms of gameplay, because JRPGs are what they are in terms of gameplay. Yeah. But like, you know, that that game is broken up into an, you know each each memory palace or whatever that is that yeah. you have to invade. Each dungeon is sort of its own sort of episode. It's sort yeah. of structured like an episodic TV show yep. almost. And their theme. And every well. single show, first off, every single little episode is sort of structured the same. But you also end up with the same dialogue where they're constantly explaining the basic concept of the game to a new character that joins them or whatever. And at a certain point, I'm just like. I know, like, yeah. like, do something new with it. Like, there's very little forward motion. It's like watching a Netflix s- series that lasts for a hundred hours. It's, well, it's, it's just like find the story that find find the length of time that your story fills and do that. And the, the other thing I found it, too, it, Persona Five doesn't do that very well. The other thing I found too is, and this is another reason why I like to play games as blind as possible, is because. Once I know a game is 60, 70, 80, 100 hours long, if I get to a point in that game where I feel a lull, I drop off. Mm -hmm. Because I'm staring at this mountain of stuff to get through. And if I get to a point where things get boring, I start to think to myself, so almost subconsciously, like, oh, I extrapolate it out across the rest of the game. And I'm like, okay, well, there's still 60 hours left of this game. How many more of these dead spots are there going to be? And subconsciously, it turns me off to the game. And that actually happened with me with The Witcher 3. It took me 
my third attempt at playing that game to actually drive through it and finish the game. Right. And it, a lot of it was because I was kind of behind everybody. Everyone had finished it. I had played something else. I think you actually reviewed Witcher 3 for, yep. for Sifted. And so I didn't have to play through it for the game eval. And so I was able to just play it whenever I wanted to. And whenever I would get to the point in the game where it would start lagging, I knew how much further I had to go, and it would make me stop playing. And, uh, and again, that's why I enjoy playing games with as little knowledge about them as possible. I also think that gets you to a more pure, more clean opinion on a product as well if you're not influenced beforehand before you kind of jump in and actually give it a go. So I think there, there are detriments to me for games being that long. And I also feel like the vast majority of games cannot sustain something of that length. Mm -hmm. The Witcher... That's one of the reasons that it was my game of the year is because it did keep giving me meaningful reasons to keep playing. I felt my character grow in power. I never felt like I was just one hitting everything throughout the entire game, which is another problem that comes into games where you have leveling like mm -hmm. RPGs is it's very hard to balance something across the entire length of the, of the project. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and a lot of times you, you start to, if you, if you play games as long as we have, you have so much experience playing them that you're like, wait a minute, I know where this is headed. I know I'm, it's like Tales of Symphonia is a classic example that I use all the time. I played it for like 70 hours or whatever. And I, and like 15 hours into it, you've pretty much seen everything yeah, already. It does go on. And it just goes on and on. And you get into this hole, you're like, I've dedicated so much time to this already. I have to see it through. I have mm. to make it to the end. And it doesn't have to be like that because like the Yakuza games are more or less the same in terms of, you know, there's yeah. usually, you're in the, usually in the same map even. Yeah, yeah. You're usually playing the same mini games. It's a lot of the same characters. There's always a real estate plot. Right. <laughs> but like where they go with it and what happens with it is, is just twisty enough that yeah. like they're going to get you there and it's going to be interesting. So it's like, it's not like it can't be done. Yeah. Uh, and like the Witcher, the Witcher 3... I have played that game to completion three times Which on three incredible. separate platforms. Yeah. Um, so I easily have 300 hours into that game total. Um, and I love it every single time. I mean, it's, it's just a well-told story, and it goes yeah. that long, and it sustains itself for the most part, except for the the five to six hours I spend uncovering all the question marks in Skellige, which is unnecessary, but I have to do it. <laughs> and um, But it all works really well there. And uh, so to me, that game is like about as long as it should be. Like, it's about 100 hours if you do everything, including the DLC stuff. And, like, I wouldn't really take anything out of it. Like, I, I think it's... But, like, for another game, like... Other games, like, I do I think Skyrim needs to be that long, story-wise? No, of course not. There's a lot but of like, downtime in Skyrim. But Skyrim is, like... Skyrim's That's another that... game that took me multiple times mm -hmm. to finally get hooked in enough to see it all the way through yeah, the Skyrim's end. Yeah, Skyrim's that long because there's so much random stuff to just go over. And it's, like, at a certain point, you're like, this is the same damn cave for the, for the 14th time. Yeah. And I'm not gonna I'm not going to look at your weird markers anymore. I'm saying, no, you are. You're going to keep... Yeah. <laughs> I think the game that exemplifies, like, kind of the idea of, like, you are gigantic and you have no reason to be is Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I guarantee you don't have B-roll of. Nope. Um, <laughs> but that not. is like an action RPG uh, you know, with sort of a, a Bioware... Kurt Schilling's action Kurt RPG. Kurt Schilling's action RPG with like a Bioware light yeah. conversation system. And it makes the two biggest mistakes it makes to me. And I, I like the combat. I liked that. the game. It, the yeah. combat was really good. It was actually designed by some of the guys who worked on Tekken. Yeah. Like, it, like you can tell it's there. The problem is the game is immense. It There's is, like yeah. six or seven areas of gigantic. Like even any individual area would have been big enough for a whole game. I don't itself. understand it. It was like their and second game or their first, first game. Their very first game. It's like, bro, just dial it. 
Get it and, 30 30 hour game for your first game. That's amazing. And the there's not a single memorable element of the entire story. I can't yeah. tell you what that story was about at all and I played it for 80 hours. Yeah. And at 80 hours, I was so powerful I was one-shotting everything and I was in area like 3 of of 8. It was like there was so much left to go and I was so far beyond anything and like and you were getting like 30 quests in, an, in a section, not yeah. even a giant area. But like, you were just constantly running through these ridiculous fetch quests and kill 14 foozles and bring me 14 bear asses, as, uh, as Jim Sterling would say. Um, and it was just like, at a certain point, it, it, that's to me is like what you, when you talk about the lull. To me, that's like the moment where you're playing the game and suddenly you can see the strings. Yeah. It's like suddenly like you can see like how the game is, is trying to get you to follow the breadcrumbs and you're like, no. no. <laughs> I'm not doing like, it. <laughs> like Because sometimes you can see that and you can acknowledge that and you're like, oh, that's a cool way to do it. Let's keep going. But like with games like Reckoning, I was like, mm, I like you, but like, no, like we're done here. And like that never happens to me in The Witcher 3. Yeah. But it happens to me in a lot of JRPGs. Happens to me, it happened to me in Reckoning. Uh, it happens to me in Red Faction Guerrilla. Like, yeah. you, it happened back in the day, and it happened with the remaster, yeah. too. Uh, it happened with Just Cause 3. Um, about halfway, halfway through that game, I was just like... No, yeah, that was... Like, how much more of this what? do I need to do, you yeah. know? And um, so, yeah, it is absolutely possible for a game to wear out its welcome in that regard. And, it's in, and, and sometimes I chalk that up to be like, you know, I'm someone who, like, I'm going to dive in and play this game and, and get it done and move on to the next game. Like I did, like with Mad Max. I think Mad Max I took me like 80, 90 hours. Why? And, and I did. Why'd I, you do it? I, I liked it, <laughs> and I didn't love it, but I liked it enough, enough that every once in a while I'd just be sitting around and be like, eh, yeah, I'd like to play that right now, <laughs> and I just do play some more of it. Yeah. And like, but I was thinking like, you know, to maybe to like a less, maybe like a normal person, this is the game they buy and they play for like four months. Yeah. Whereas for me, I'm trying to get through it in like a week. Yeah. You know, and it's like. No wonder I'm getting like fed up with it. It's just like I'm playing it too much. You know, maybe I maybe I play too much at once. You know, maybe we, these we are not, do, do that. Maybe Absolutely. these are not Absolutely. binge games. Maybe That's something supposed... I always try to keep in the back of my mind is that we play games differently from the way most people play them. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I'm doing playing a game for an eval, I when I start to think to myself, oh, this is getting repetitive, or I'm getting tired of playing this, I keep in mind that most people are not going to sit down and play one game for like 18 hours in mm -hmm. a day. And that, I think that's actually a skill that you acquire over time when you evaluate games is you have to learn to kind of take away these parts of being a human being while you're playing games and try to put yourself in the shoes of the people who aren't you. Hmm. And I think that's a skill that you develop over time as a reviewer and I don't think that's something that you can just figure out right away unless you've kind of lived it. Now, Matt, it seems to me that more cat some of the more casual folks actually prefer eight to 10 hour games. Mm -hmm. They feel like they, that, that takes them a month or two. Mm -hmm. where, where it takes us a day or two, it takes them a month to get that. And they're okay with that. They're like, I spent 60 bucks, I played this game for 30 days, and I just finished it, and I made it to the end, and I saw the ending, and I got my achievements, and I got my trophies, and whatever. What do you, what do you think, considering that though, what do you think is the perfect length for a game? I don't know, it depends on what the game is. Like, I don't think anybody would be happy if GTA 6 was eight hours long. I think there are some people that would be happy if it was eight to no, ten hours long. Those people are wrong. Well, I and agree. They're, but... And they're not going to get what they want. <laughs> they're you know, not. Like, absolutely. Like you, the reason it takes ten years for them to make a new one now. Right. It's like, it's like, it, it's, it's a, the, the size of the game matters. And like, 
I don't know if GTA V really filled its world with the story it told, but yeah. it tried, mm -hmm. and uh, and that was you know it was it was better than like yeah what what was the uh, the the first mafia I remember the first two mafia games I always felt like you built this whole giant world and this open kind of New York or I think it was New York recreation especially in the first game. And you never get a chance to like run around and explore it or do well, anything. Wasn't the it. first mafia like you couldn't even go into like buildings? Yeah, it was like it was a purely linear story, but yeah. it was an open city. There was just nothing Ish. to do in it, kind of like L.A. Noir. Yeah, and it was like I remember thinking like, why did you build this huge <laughs> world if you were just going to tell like a ten-hour story in yeah, it and not let me go sense. do anything? Because you know, yeah. it was around uh, Mafia Two. Well, maybe they had intended originally to make it an open world game, been. and halfway through they're but like, Mafia wait a minute, didn't we really, can't do this. Mafia Two didn't really go any further with it no. for the most part. No, it was, like, right. it was, you know, the first time you really got a taste of kind of that open world mafia gangster thing was uh, The Godfather. Yep, um, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah, uh, for, for its time. time. I mean, yeah. it's like a launch window PS3 title, I mm -hmm. think. But I had a good time with it, and I think a lot of people liked the Wii version, where you were like throwing people around with the Wiimote and stuff. Um, and then Godfather 2 was uh, oddly easy, but also kind of entertaining in the term in terms of like it was just gave you stuff to do in the world. Yeah. Um, so I think there's just an exp expectation for that. Like, I mean, to be fair, like I, I mentioned Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, but like if Infinite Warfare had done said some kind of proc gen like like solar system mission generator. And you can just do you know those things a lot. I would probably have played that longer than your average shooter. Yeah. Um, just because I enjoyed the variety of gameplay. Because you sure. had you had the dogfighting stuff with the the jackals, and then you had like kind of like go get the thing on foot meeting me thing, and then you had like things where like you had to jetpack in and like get in, get the thing, and get out. Like there was a lot of a good variety of like just sort of things that you could have sort of plugged objectives into and kept me playing even though it wasn't part of the main story. No, you're right. Um, I think that's some, that's one area where Call of Duty has sold itself short. Particularly the Black Ops franchise. I remember Black mm -hmm. Ops 2. It had crazy stuff in it. It had like this weird like top-down strategy mini game. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It, it, but it would only, you only did it like once for like right. thirty minutes. And they, they I remember they like, always go back to the shooting. Ultimately. I remember like the press like for it was like talk, trying to talk about oh this is how you're gonna play shooters from now on and like yeah. it could be a whole separate game where other people are playing like it as a strategy game while right. you're in the multiplayer yeah, match yeah. and it's like none, yeah, that, never, none ever, of that ever happened. None like, ever happened. It was like how they like for a while they were trying to do like the second screen stuff with Battlefield. Yeah. yeah. And like people were like the commander and yeah. stuff. That never went anywhere. It never. That I like that idea, but they never. I like the concept, yeah. but it never gets executed very well. Do you think though, if let's say every game ever is 15 hours no you don't think that that no. kind of satisfies everybody at least a little bit to where no. they would at least keep buying and playing video games i would be royally pissed if cyberpunk 2077 is 15 hours long you would still buy it though and play it maybe maybe not that's what i'm getting at like what is the sweet spot where even the casuals will still play it and buy it and play it i don't care and the hardcores like us would still well, clearly it doesn't matter because GTA Five is still selling. Like, yeah. like the length of the game is not a, not an obstacle. I mean, the a Witcher lot of that sold... could be GTA Online. Okay, too. well, the Witcher sold what three to five million copies. Like, didn't stop anybody. It didn't sell more than three to five mil. I don't I remember. Thought it sold more than that. I don't remember what the actual number. They sold millions and millions of copies, right. and nobody. I mean, maybe nobody finished. But it, it. doesn't. Sell, it doesn't sell as well as Call of Duty, which typically has an eight-hour campaign. Yeah, but Call of Duty is about the multiplayer. So to the point that I guess not we're going to find out even whether it's the, the multiplayer so, of the campaign, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, certainly I'm not going to play without a campaign. But like, yeah. you know, it's. I don't think you can pin that down. I mean, Super Mario Brothers is about five minutes long if you warp. Like, right. you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it depends on what it is. 
Like nobody wants to play wants a Sim City game that ends after eight hours. That's why I said fifteen. Yeah, or fifteen <laughs> or whatever. Fifteen <laughs> is extra, still not very an extra long. seven hours. I just think to me, like personally, if what if for whatever reason, if there was a mandate that every game has to be fifteen hours, I think I could deal with that. No, I would not. I think I would, some games that I wanted to be shorter would be longer than I wanted. I, would, I think some games that I wanted to be longer would be shorter than I wanted, but ultimately I would still play. No, I would literally find a new hobby. Wow. Okay. Like my favorite games. So you're are, saying there's no sweet spot. There's no. No, number you it depends. Like with. like No Man's Sky is endless, and it should be. Well, The Witcher Three was a hundred plus hours, and it should be. Um, I think that there's lots of people that argue with you about that. Well, like, they're wrong. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I don't give a shit what anybody else wants. Like, if you make everything at 15 hours, it doesn't make sense. It's like saying every movie has to be 90 minutes. And no, that's I, simply not true. Like, you got, you got to tailor something to the subject. Obviously, this is a hypothetical. Right, but you have to tailor to the subject. Like, that's not a, it's, it's a nonsensical question. I honestly may have liked No Man's Sky more if I, or be more apt to play it if I actually knew it was only 15 hours long. I hate to say it, but... Well, I would feel like I had a more controlled experience and, and actually then you're forced to make stuff happen, I guess. Is well, what I I'm mean, you could it. theoretically just play the, the story mission with Artemis and Apollo and yeah. call that the game's over when you yeah. finish that. I mean, that's like a 20 hour quest thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's how you the get around. That's how you work around it. That's the workaround is you create the core experience for X amount of hours, but then it's totally mm. fine to leave all this other stuff for people like you who want to really dive in. A lot of people leave that. I mean, it's a dip, you know, look at uh, Breath of the Wild. You can finish that game in 10 minutes. Yeah. Or you can finish it in 100 hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I finish right in the middle at mm-hmm. like 50 hours or whatever. So just an interesting Or discussion. even Mario Odyssey. Like, you know, some people consider that done when they finish the story. Yeah. But it that really means, isn't done until you go back and do all the You're not even playing the best parts until... Right. I mean, you finish the story, you're not even seeing literally, like, the 70 percentile of the best content right. in the I mean, game. I mean, that's how Mario games have been for quite some time but now. you could always just... Finishing the game Front just load the that first 15 hours with the best stuff, and then... Yeah. You could design it that way to make it work, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I just don't think it would do anybody any good it, it feels like it feels like that would just be like like making everyone just sort of mildly happy instead of making some people really happy and some people just not, not for me care at all, it's like yeah. not it's like, it's like people say all the time on on social it's like not every game has to be for everybody yeah yeah and Absolutely if you right. if, if you don't want to play a hundred hour game i understand but i'll see you a hundred hours from now yeah right. if i like it i mean i'm, I'm not you know if, if Kingdoms of Amalur, probably, if you do everything, probably takes like 300 hours, and I'm, not, I'm never going to know what the end of that game is. <laughs> so I think maybe the conclusion we've come to is that it's really dependent upon the quality of the game. Right. The game has to be good, and not just good in bursts. It has to be able to sustain it over the long haul. Right. And I think it's like, you know, when I watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, I don't feel like that movie's too long. Yeah. Uh, but if I watched, say, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that was that long, I'd be like, there's no reason for this. You know, you got, you got to, you got to, you got to pick a length that's appropriate for the subject and the story you want to tell and the, and the thing you want to get across. Is there ever too much of a good thing? Is that possible? Uh, if it's too much, then it's not a good thing. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, but like in games, I rarely run into that. Yeah, I do run into that sometimes with like, but it's again, it's like if I'm not enjoying it, it's not a good thing. If I think there's too much of it, I don't think it's a good thing. Yeah, it's like I think there are a lot of people though that feel like they need to finish something to get that sense of accomplishment. 
Somewhat. I mean, I don't finish everything, and I'm okay with it for the most part. Yeah. But it's like I'll usually go back and do it again. You know, get get there eventually. Yeah. Um, I certainly understand people who can't play through a whole hundred hour game in one sitting or oh, like yeah. Yeah. in one you know time bracket. Lifetime. Or whatever. <laughs> um, as opposed to, I mean, I've found you know if you love something, you'll find a way to make it work. I mean, I've played Witcher three three times. Yeah. And like it's great every time. I play it about so far. I played it once a year. Like, I played it on the PC when it came out, and then I played when they upgraded it for the Pro, uh, or when I got the Pro and it ran a little better on the P- on the PS4. I played through that again I, off of a save that was already, like, 10 hours in or something. And then uh, when it came out for Xbox One and they did the, the 4K HDR update, I loaded it up just, oh, let's see what it looks like, and I played the whole thing. You know, I didn't even mean to. I wasn't yeah. even intended to, but I did it anyway because some of those, some of those games just, just resonate. Uh, whereas, like every once in a while, I also up, uh, boot up uh, Kingdoms of Amalur just to see, wow. just to see, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, da, da, da. nah, it's still boring. Yeah. Like, still, yeah. And I get, I get like an hour in, and it's just like the game. same thing yeah. over and over, and you can't jump, and I hate when you can't jump. Yeah. Uh, Zelda games are really the only games I accept not being able to jump. I don't know what that. Well, means. now you don't have to worry about that either. Yeah. Now, now that's fine. But like. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the length of the game is never uh, an issue for me in terms of, like, how long should a genre, how long should a thing be. The, th- the whole thing is like, well, I don't like this, so I'm not going to play it anymore. Doesn't matter how it's long it is. about as far as it goes. So yeah, it really and, comes down to quality. Yeah, and, and, and it also depends, like, you know, there, I've played JRPGs and tried to, you know, like, Final Fantasy XV, I, didn't, I hated that game and I finished it, just so I could say I did. Uh, but I've like Final Fantasy Thirteen. I never finished, even though I was told it got way better after forty hours. But I never got all the way to the end of that one. That's a know, tough slog to get over. Yeah, you, you go through that one. The first half of the game is like you walk out a linear path the whole time yeah. until you get to the Grand Pulse. Actually, yeah. I never got to Grand Pulse. Um, well, they kind of did that with Fifteen as well. A little bit, yeah. It started out linear, and then eventually it yeah. turned into an open world game. And then it goes back to linear. Right. Yeah. And uh, it, but like. So yeah, so I never finished that, but it's like I gave Final Fantasy thirteen like twenty hours and I didn't feel like it got any better. Whereas like I've played like Black Ops two, I gave like forty five minutes. Yeah. So it's weird how like the the amount of time I'm willing to give something to prove itself to me seems to be more of a percentage of its total length <laughs> as opposed to like an actual right. hard time yeah, frame. Yeah. You know, like, like I, Black Ops it's not like it was like eight hours. You yeah. gave it 45 minutes. It's not like I sit down, I'm like, okay, whatever game you are, you have an hour to entertain me. And yeah. like, if it does, it's like, it depends. Like, if it's a longer game, I will give a longer grace period. It's funny how all this stuff just works subconsciously in your mind. It's not, yeah. you're not cognizant of it. You're not making that decision. Your mind is making those decisions for you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bizarre to think about. So, no answer, I guess, ultimately, at the really. end of the discussion. Although somewhere out there, there's somebody analyzing this, uh, this subject in an attempt to make us buy more loot boxes. Yeah, I mean, look, I would love to see the data of <coughs> what, what percentage of games per hour people end up completing. Mm-hmm. If, like, if it stretches like five hours, what percentage of people fall off from ever completing it? Or if, if it's a 100-hour game... People know it going in if more people complete it because they know going in they've got this struggle ahead and they want to <coughs> overcome it. Yeah, I don't. I I did think it was interesting that people were were you know they were looking at metrics on um, God of War and your average completion for like a long you know a full sized single player game is about twenty percent. Yeah. And the completion rating, uh, at least according to the trophy data uh, on God of War, is like fifty eight percent. 
like a whole lot of people finished that game. That's because it's great from beginning to yeah, end. Yeah, well, it's like again, so, it goes back to quality. There's that thing. The pacing is great. The quality, yeah, the pacing and the story and the character, it all pulls you through. Yeah. And so maybe that's all it needs to be. If Again, as long as it needs to be to do a subject justice. Um, one of my old English teachers used to say a horrible sexist thing when people would ask us, ask him, like, how long should the paper be? He would say, and he would say, uh, and I do not support this, but it always sticks in my head because it was always like super gross. Mm. But like it was like it does. He said it should be like a woman's dress, long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to be interesting. And that's a that's a terrible <laughs> thing, and you should not say it in classrooms in the 21st century. But and if you do, do not, do not say you heard it from Matt. No, I did nothing to do. Don't don't tell anybody that uh, that that or was that my you heard it on upbringing. But like that is what that is what he'd say every yeah. time if somebody it asked him sense. how long it should be because he didn't want to give a page limit, and uh, I'm sure there's a way to translate that into something that's not like gross yeah. and sexist. But like <laughs> you see what I'm trying to no, say. No, I get it. I understand. Because maybe you could say the same thing about a tie. No. Long know. enough to cover the subject, but short. I mean, ties aren't interesting. Yeah, I think the first analogy makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So. There you go. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about... Basically, what he means is, you know how long yeah. your paper should be. Like, like, you know how long your game should be. Yeah. You know, like, we are, okay, this is too much. This is not enough. It's, 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 a, it's a distinct balance, but, like, you'll get, you, you know it. Sometimes those decisions are made for you, though. That's and true. And they end up having to cut out big chunks of a game That's that true. ends up making the end experience not very good. Yeah, you, you are not writing this essay you're, you're alone yeah. in the case of video games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's a corporate entity sometimes that thinks that thinks you should play this game for a thousand hours. Yeah. Even though that that's a that's a term I've heard heard thrown around in terms of like goals of like how long the AAA publishers want you to play something is they want you to play their their game for a thousand hours and I'm like games like League of Legends. I don't know. I mean League of Legends okay, but if you're talking about like Tomb Raider, yeah, no, way. like what like. <laughs> I mean, but pro- I mean, although GTA Online, there sure, are people I mean, that sure, play that for there, a thousand. But hours. there's more to that, and and like, you know, but if you're talking about like, I mean, the most played thing I played last generation was probably Mass Effect, the Mass Effect yeah. trilogy. I played through that like, I played through that trilogy a full three times, plus a few other playthroughs of one and two, and I totaled all my saves up at one point, and I had my save, my playtime of Mass Effect. One through three total is somewhere around seven hundred to seven hundred fifty hours. You could have built a house with your bare hands in that. Which is which is a month of my life. That adds up to about a month of of full time. And it's like, and you want me to play whatever you're talking about for another three hundred hours? Nothing, nothing is worth playing that long. That isn't some kind of like competitive multiplayer game that you just get fully sucked in. But you're talking about like a like a standard sort of open world kind of a ghost recon thing or a tomb raider thing or like a uh, you know, ima- imagine if sony expected you to play god of war for a thousand hours there'd have to be online. that's ridiculous online play there'd be online something. stuff there'd have to be like loot box stuff there'd it's have the to be it's gonna like, happen. yeah cosmetic yeah. stuff it would be a, you'd need more yeah but there's this is a thing that kind of the mobile game boom has sort of created in the in the, in the strategy think tank world yeah. of people it was like do you do you, do you play these things? Because that's well, not they probably how look works. at it like, hey, there's someone who will play a match three game for that many hours. Right. Why won't so, they play Destiny that long? Right. <laughs> Which actually, when you think about it, kind of does make sense. Yeah, I mean, in that context, yeah, that's that is probably a question that someone in charge of the money would probably ask about Absolutely. Destiny. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about 
the 3DS. We're going to talk about a 3DS game on Game Face. I know we hardly ever do, but honestly, when I was putting together Dossier, the games of August, I felt sad for the 3DS, Matt, because literally the game we're going to talk about is the only worthwhile game for the system coming out this month. Wow. It has really got to the place where even Nintendo, I think, even though it's, the hardware is still selling, by the way, it yeah. is still selling very well. I think even at this point, Nintendo's going to have to admit, okay, we're, we're sending it out to pasture at this point. There just isn't any software coming out for it. And that game that we're going to talk about is WarioWare Gold. Are you a fan of WarioWare? Uh, I haven't played one in forever. Have you ever been a fan of WarioWare? Yeah, I like them. Yeah. Like but, the first one. You realize the first one came out like 15 years yeah. ago. Was, it, was that Game Boy Advance? Yeah. yeah. 15 years. Can think, you believe that? I think what was the last one I played? I think the last one I played was Touched. Yeah. Like the early DS one. Yeah. Well, I played the Wii game. I've played all of them, actually, I think. Because Nintendo's kind of slowed down on the output for WarioWare mm -hmm. over the last, like, seven or eight years. For a while there, it was coming out pretty regularly. Um, but, yep, so here we are, WarioWare Gold on the 3DS. Um, I guess what I would say, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who, there are a lot of people out there who have a 3DS, haven't seen a new game that they really even thought about buying for quite a while, and they're probably looking at this saying, hey Shane, hey Matt, should I spend my money on this game? Well, I can tell you unequivocally, if you fall into one of two camps, you should buy it or you shouldn't buy it. If you're in the camp that Matt and I are in, which is we've been playing WarioWare for 15 years now, have played multiple versions of the game, you absolutely should not buy it. If you have never played a WarioWare game, or maybe you fiddled around with one at a friend's house back in the day, go buy this right now. Because it is essentially a mashup of all WarioWare games in one. And for people like us, that's the problem. Mm. All the mini games, there's a, I wouldn't say all the mini games, but probably 90 to 95% of the micro games, I'll get it right, in this, you've played. And really the draw of WarioWare, at least in my opinion, is getting caught off guard and being forced to examine something very quickly, try to make sense of it, and then solve it in three seconds or however long they give you to do it. That to me is the magic, the charm of WarioWare. But once you've already experienced it, even just playing through a WarioWare game for the second time, I mean, most games you lose a certain level of enjoyment the second time through. With WarioWare, it like falls through the floor because it's all about the surprise. Like the first time you see the nose pick game when I played WarioWare, I laughed so hard when I saw it, I just failed it. Like that, yeah. I did that a lot with WarioWare when I first started playing. You just, you see something, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so absurd. Oh, you failed, you move on. That to me is the beauty of WarioWare. So if you have never played any of these games and you have a 3DS, go buy this game right now. Um, if you're like us and you've been playing it all along, there's not a lot of new content. But one thing I will say is Nintendo does its best with this game to try to re-engage people like us. But the way that they do it is with its take on achievements and trophies. There's mm -hmm. all these, they call them missions in the game, but they're really just like achievements that you're trying to achieve. And everything all goes into this coin base everything you do earns you coins and you can spend coins on all kinds of nostalgia nintendo -y stuff all in game mind you um 
to me, that was not enough motivation. I finished, also the other thing to keep in mind with this franchise is that because each micro game literally lasts a few seconds, you can finish pretty much every game in the series in like an hour and a half or two hours. Once you learn the, the mini games and what they're asking you to do, you can just whip on through. And because I had played almost all these already, I was able to get through this game in just a couple of hours. So again, for someone like us, it's definitely not worth paying for a game you're going to complete in a couple hours. If you've never ever played a WarioWare, first of all, what's wrong with you? Why have you not played one by now? But if you haven't, you're in that very fortunate position of being able to play an incredible game for the first time many, many years after a lot of people have experienced it. Mm. I always feel jealousy for people who are like, oh, I'm playing Resident Evil 4 for the first time. I'm like, mm. oh, you jerk. Like, I wish I could go back and just wipe my memory banks of that game so I could experience it again for the first time. I think this is another one of those games or franchises that kind of falls into that category of, oh man, if you've never played it before, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just buy it, crack it open, and talk to me tomorrow. And uh, I just remember I would do that when it first came out. Like, I'd, people would be like, oh, I need a new game to play. And I'd be just like, take this home. And they'd say, well, what is it? And I'd be like, I'm not telling you what it is. Just go home and play it, and then come in tomorrow and tell me what you thought. And then they'd come in, oh, my God, the game made me laugh. And my boyfriend was playing, or my girlfriend was playing with me, and we just sat there and laughed, and we failed all these games because we were laughing so hard. That's the magic of the WarioWare franchise. But again, if you've been experiencing it all this time, a lot of that magic is not going to be there for you. So... It's a great compilation of WarioWare. It's all the games plus some extras. Most of the extra stuff is boss fighty type stuff. Mm. But it also is the best package for WarioWare so far as far as how they put a wrapper around all the micro games to motivate you to keep playing and kind of the, how the game is designed and organized. It's the best in the series. Um, so I guess really, if I had never played a WarioWare game ever, and somebody put down all the WarioWare games in front of me and I had to play them all, I would say this is the best one ever. Hmm. But because there's not enough new content in it, it's hard to recommend it for everybody. <laughs> so, there you go. WarioWare Gold, must buy for somebody who's never played WarioWare. For everybody else, I, I wouldn't even bother with it. So, 3DS, going out with a whimper and not a bang, Matt. Yeah, well, I don't know. Just got Captain Toad. It, was, it hasn't been a bad summer for the 3DS. Yeah. That hasn't been a good one. Yeah, hasn't been a good one for anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That hasn't been a good one for us either, actually. Uh, it's been tough to get through this summer with content, so I get it. But yeah, so a lot of you may have expected that already from this game, but I will say this. If you've never played a WarioWare game, go buy this and play it, and then get on the site and tell us what you thought about it, because I think you're going to absolutely love it. So let's move on. We're going to talk next about... So like two weeks ago, it came out that Onrush which is the newest game from the studio that used to do MotorStorm, mm -hmm. uh, was a failure, a huge failure. And not only that, the studio is now basically being liquidated and being split up to work on like all Codemaster stuff. It basically became the death knell for, is it Evolution Studios? Is that, that what they're called? right, yeah. It basically became the death knell. And I played this game in beta and i loved it and i talked to you guys about it here on game face and i said hey this is something different this is something unique in fact i think it was just like the week after i talked about trailblazers yes. which was another really innovative driving game i really enjoyed the beta and then the reviews came out for this game and i think it's metacritic is it like an eight or a little bit above an eight it got resoundingly positive reviews i didn't i didn't read a single negative review for this game which is rare 
even the highest scoring games, there's going to be somebody mm-hmm. who's going to write a clickbait review to try to get people to read their review. Not the case with this. Unanimously praised by all critics. I love the crap out of it, and it totally tanked. Nobody cared. So I didn't even realize it came out. Yeah, it's been out now for like three or four weeks, something like that. Wow. Also, so, it's a terrible title. It, is it any worse than MotorStorm? No, but I mean, on, it, it <laughs> is... MotorStorm sold millions for... It is a little worse because I think it doesn't have any hard consonants. It's very onrush. Yeah. It's just like... Oh, no, I hear it's you. Like, it's, no, you're right. It's nothing... There's no punch to Even it. Even the psychology of li- linguistics, and I, yeah. I see what you're saying. Like, I, it needed it needed something uh, needs something with a K or a P in it. Well, <laughs> well, one thing I will say is that this game is probably going to cost $30 in the next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a very, very wise purchase for people at 30 bucks. So th- I guess the fringe benefit for us when great games fail is you, to, you get to buy them cheap, like yeah. in short order. So maybe we shouldn't approach this topic with, oh, it's a bad thing. Because well, ultimately, it's a, well, it's a for, bad thing if the developer goes out of business. Right, because then they can't make the sequel or keep expanding on the ideas that it worked on. So anyway, I want to pose the question, why do great games fail? Why do you think this game failed, other than the title? I mean, the title didn't help, but also I think, I think there's a... Like, there doesn't seem to be much of a hunger for racing games no. uh, right now. Um, I mean, you've got your Gran Turismo, you've got your Forza, and I guess Need for Speed does okay here and there, but like, this kind of like arcade racing sort of thing, just like there's no... Like, no one talks about it, no one seems to wax nostalgic about it in any great numbers. Even MotorStorm. Yeah. You'll find a lot of people that'll be like, oh, I remember MotorStorm. What, what a great time that was. It's weird. It's just it's just not a genre that's like fondly missed or thought of at this point. And I think it will probably will be eventually like these things go in cycles. Um, like for a while, there were, you know, mascot platformers were like no one gave a shit about yeah. that. But now, like, you know, All of a sudden, in, in the wake <laughs> of the Crash Bandicoot uh, remake, like, you know, now we now got Spyro, Spyro coming and like... Yeah. You know, there's like more and more talk of Banjo coming back or making guest appearances in uh, in Nintendo stuff. And it's like, you know, I, th- I think people are rediscovering that. And I think at some point you'll, people will come back around and Sony's going to have to start thinking about uh, a MotorStorm uh, remaster trilogy or something like that. But right now it just feels like this kind of game is, there's no interest. Why do you I, think I don't that know. is? I don't know. I mean, they are fairly simple games i guess um that like you know you, you you do one race and you've sort of seen the whole thing this game actually a, is different in a yeah, lot of but ways I'm, so. I'm thinking like in terms of stuff like you know also like just mario lo- kart continues to do yeah, really well just looking at this game yeah but nintendo stuff is immune to that for some reason um just looking at this like it doesn't really look any different from a motor storm like you'd have to have it explained to you like, no, you're right. like you did in, on the show and yeah. explain why it's a different thing and why it's not uh, you know, why it's not just the same thing you've already played. And I think people are very easily... It's very easy to dismiss... I mean, it's also easy to dismiss Mario Kart as like, oh, I've already done that. Um, but like... Yeah, I mean, I don't play Mario, Mario Kart, Kart like is, I used to. Mario Kart is a bigger built-in audience, I think, just because of what it is. Um, whereas this kind of thing is like, okay, it's cars, and it's they're slamming into each other, and it's sort of like a burnout thing. But it's not... I mean, to me, this just makes me miss burnout. Um, 
which I guess is never coming back ever again. <laughs> it doesn't look like um, it. Except for but Bruno. maybe right now, though, the way the market is, it's not a might good not be idea unwise. Anyway. I mean, look, I'm amazed they keep making Need for Speed games. Yeah. Um, Although it seems to have gone away now. Again. I was thinking in, a, in, a, in probably this era of like sixty dollar games that cost so much and are supposed to last so long. Like there's just a not a lot of interest in playing something that's such a kind of a simple you know, lap around, ram into the guy game. And also, I think this it might partly be just like game publishers not having an interest in making that game because they don't think they can milk it for very long. I think another part of it, too, is that with games in this genre, one is enough. Yeah. And so if you bought Forza Horizon 2 or 3 or whatever, once you have one of them, especially as big as some of these games are now, mm -hmm. going back to our last discussion, talking about game length, like some of these racing games, like literally, you can play them yeah, for like you, the rest of your life. When you get into like <laughs> the the kind of the, the the driving sort of that sim arcade hybrid that like Gran Turismo and Forza have sort of settled into, like yeah, those games last forever. Yeah. To the point that I didn't even buy. I mean, I'm a big Forza fan, but I didn't buy the last Forza because I'm like I haven't even finished five and six. So like like what am I doing starting another one for God's sake? I mean, I get I get through the Horizon games okay. Because those are yeah, more those those are of a uh, have a a better hook I think because yeah. of the environment and the kind of the, the the presentation, whereas like kind of the, the standard racing game is is a uh, is a harder thing to stick with. Yeah. Um, but this game I, I don't really consider these to like a game like Onrush to be the same sort of thing. I I, I did always like you know, I always like the San Francisco Rush kind of thing yeah. and Beetle Adventure Racing and and burnout and i mean there's and, you know uh split second blur uh you know there's a ton of good games in that kind of arcade slam bang racer category and just no one taught and, and it's like it's not you know split second failed and like the, that developer went away you know same same thing yeah uh, that was under disney yeah um right in the right in the unfortunate period where they're deciding they didn't want to make games anymore right yeah. um, but split second is great it is and I, everyone i know who like gets it for cheap on like backwards compatibility is like oh this game's amazing it's like yeah but no one played yeah, it yeah so. that may happen with onrush in the next couple yeah. of years as well let's go through some a couple other sort of legendary great games that didn't sell well and try to figure out if we can find a common mm -hmm. thread between all of them uh next up let's talk about okami did Okami not sell well? It did not. But they've made it for like every they, other platform right. since they, then. I think that's why. I think they, they know it's a great game. It reviewed very well. And they just figure if they put it out for enough platforms... <laughs> like you fuckers are going to play this one way or the other. <laughs> why do you think Okami did not do well? Um, I mean, I, I would guess in the West it looks just looks weird to yeah. a Western audience member. The other thing is that you want to talk about a game that's longer than it should be. Yeah, you're right. This game goes on and on and on. Like the, it is a gigantic when you, game. Uh, honestly, because like the, the, the main, you know, the, the quest that you begin with is because of a retelling of the Orochi legend with Susano O and, and all that sort of stuff. And once you finish that whole thing... That feels like it would have been a fine ending for the game, but you're like Which one third about 15 done. Hours. Yeah, yeah, you're like a third of the way through. <laughs> like you're yeah. not even close at yeah. that point. And like I didn't mind that because I really enjoyed Okami. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the more more. Well, more I think every core gamer who's ever played yeah. it loved it. And uh, but I think like you know it was it was a it's it's got its own ideas and it's got a strange sort of. Um, you know, it's a Zelda game at heart. It is, but yeah. like, it's hard to see that if you're kind of more traditional, like Western gamer, and you don't really know what you're looking at here. Um, I think it's, it's also got a, a real wolf. slow start. It does, and yeah. like, until, I think it was only but that's this... not going to keep people from buying it. 
No, but it might keep it, it might keep word of, it. it might keep word of mouth <laughs> from true. from carrying. It's like don't buy this game. It took me fourteen hours to get to the actual combat. No, you're right. Um, and I mean, I think the most recent HD versions on the new new consoles do let you skip all that stuff if you or at least speed through it. Because for because I remember on the I think the PS2 and the Wii. I think you couldn't even speed the text up. You just had to sit there and yeah. listen to it. <laughs> like the, you know, and the little flea guy has the higher pitched one, and it's just like I'm gonna kill all of you <laughs> if you get. Um, Do you think it's the look though? Ultimately, I mean, the the look is probably not that cell shaded has not worked. I mean, obviously with board, games like Borderlands, the mass audience is open to cell shaded. No, I mean it wouldn't. I think the look is fantastic, but it wouldn't it surprise me if like you know your more casual player would look at that and think it looks too. Yeah, the Sumi-E art style looks a little too weird or Japanese, or you know, it looks like one of those weird RPGs I don't play or that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, that could be part of it. I don't know, like, I, Okami's uh, lack of, you know, I mean, I think Okami is very well regarded and very widely played among the hardcore demographic. Um, you know, core gamers know what this game is and have played it for the most part, I would say. Um, I don't know why it didn't catch on more in terms, I mean, it's beautiful, it, it, it's unique, it, it, it's a, one of the best Zelda games of the last 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's got great characters. It has uh, some cool puzzles. The combat's fun. The drawing stuff all works. It's, it's unique. You know, a lot of people copied it now, so it's not as unique probably. Yeah. But like, it's certainly of its t- at the time, it was like nothing else, yeah. uh, even though it was so much like Zelda. I don't know. Like, Okami's a mystery to me in, in some ways. Like, I, I love that game from the second I saw it. I think I'm starting to figure out what it is, though, but let's keep going. Next up, Jade Empire. I didn't like that game at all. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. It's the only Bioware game until uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. It's the only Bioware game I really actively disliked. Got huge review scores across the board from a big developer that has a huge fan base. Riding on the back of KOTOR. Right. And yet, it completely tanked. In fact, it was republished by Aspire, I think? Some little small publisher mm. picked it up and put out like an HD version of it. And I think it came out for like iOS and Android Yeah, too. I think there were that and like it came out on, I mean, EA has given it away for free on, on their yeah. origin service a few times. I have it like three times over because of all the giveaways they've done with it. But like, Why do you think it did so poorly? I don't know. I mean, I mean, again, it could have been a word of mouth thing where ultimately people were like, it's just not that great. I guess. But I, I also feel like people hold this game in high regard. The people who like it really do like it. Yeah. I just it some about it never clicked with me. I mean, I haven't played it since it came out. Yeah. Um, I th- and I for me, well, I, it came out in the time where they didn't add on to games later. Right. And I think that <laughs> so. It's still probably if I'm the remembering same game. correctly. The main, the two main things were, um, I didn't find the story very interesting. It felt like a very by rote, like like kind of kung yeah. fu movie story. It felt like a very standard, like, oh, they've destroyed the temple and we must have, like, you know, now we must da-da-da. practice our kai or and the key. Other, and, like... and the other thing was that it was, you know, it was kind of Bioware's first attempt at a more real time action based combat system and it did not work yeah. at all. Like, I just felt like. I felt like it was trying to be a little more Twitch-based than like KOTOR was, because KOTOR was still pretty much just real-time with pause. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was still 
turn-based under the hood. It was just displaying it right. in real yeah. time. It made it look like yeah. it was real time. And this kind of had more like kind of press the button and it matters, which is, you know, they would get better at that as like Dragon Age Inquisition came it around. It was kind of the transition. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, they weren't, either the tech wasn't ready or Bioware wasn't ready and I just felt, I didn't enjoy playing it. I just didn't like the combat and how it all worked. Um, I've considered going back to it at times, but I just never have. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, yeah, I, I would say maybe this was because, A, that kind of RPG was still sort of a niche product back then. Yeah. And um, I think, in whereas for Bio, and there was still Bioware obviously had its fans, and like they loved KOTOR, and coming off of Baldur's Gate, it was a great kind of transition to the 3D era. But I think uh, it just wasn't up to snuff in terms of storytelling and uh, That's what I think killed gameplay. it for me. Yeah. But again... It still should have sold okay until word of mouth killed it, but it mm-hmm. just it didn't sell really at all. Yeah, I don't know. I I remember it even was, it was a bomba. I remember really even was. the uh, like my friends, you know, even people at yeah, G Four who worked with us and liked games like they they didn't have any interest in it either. It was just, yeah. it was just like an instant lack of interest in that game that I don't know what did it. Really. It looks boring. I guess I think that's what it is. Uh, next up, Psychonauts. Yeah, and I mean, then he, I mean, so is, we were talking earlier about this is kind of the curse of uh, Tim Schafer, maybe like in action here. We were talking earlier about how you know character-driven platforming games are were a big thing, and then they're dead, and now they're coming back again. But this game came out when they were still kind of a big thing. Yeah, that although I would say that maybe this game actually signaled the decline. Mm-hmm. But why do you think Psychonauts did so terrible? I mean, this might be like the um, the banner example, the glowing example of a great game selling poorly. Yeah. Well, I think first off, I think it looks ugly. I, I think that I don't like the character designs in this game for the most part. Um, and I think I think it works once you play it and sort of understand what they're after and how it all fits together and sort of the Burton esque world they're going for. But I think if you just see the characters, it's it was it, they're kind of off putting. Um, even more so in this era before kind of the Nicktoons stuff was sort of more widespread. And, you know, I think this wouldn't be out, this art design wouldn't be out of place in any given, like, cartoon today. But, and so in a way, I would say they were a little ahead of their time on this and it didn't do them any favors. Um, which seems, to, which is a very common thing in games. Like, I've, I've noticed, like, being ahead of your time in, like, almost any other medium is, like, a, 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 is, like, grounds for, like, surprise success. Being ahead of your time in video games sometimes can t- torpedo you. I don't and know se- about and Sega that. Sega can tell you about that. I think in almost every industry, there are examples of companies or products that had the idea first, people didn't care, and then later mm-hmm. on, people are like, oh yeah, that was a good idea, and then some other company or person makes the money off the idea. Sometimes, but I think uh, you know the innovation element of a film or TV show is usually more recognized and less likely to work against it. Like, you know, no, you're right. You know, it's, like, it's like, you know, no one, no one refused to see Avatar because it had pioneered new 3D, 3D like, right. techniques. Right. Like, whereas, like, sometimes with a game, you're like, oh, that does this thing I've never done. Well, I don't want to try that. You know, it's no, like, right. like, there's a weird element of that. And, or even well, just, like, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's interactivity. a price. That's well, the Yeah, well, and sometimes it's a cost barrier. Like, Sega, you know, Sega had a tendency to get the right idea about five years too early with their hardware. 
No, you're and right. like you know, like the Sega CD and Dreamcast, kind of, you know, Dreamcast, all of that's yeah. you know, online with the Dreamcast, yeah. online with the Saturn. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, and it didn't help them. You know, they they went down. Well, like, they, we're still talking about them. Yeah. Or decades later, saying or, pointing to them, saying, "Hey, you guys were the were the innovators." Yeah, for but, all for all the good, good does that do? For all the good it does them. That doesn't know? put any money. You in can also coffers. point to to G four inventing pretty much how video games are presented in a video short format. But uh, what good does that G4 do? G four ain't here anymore. No. So what? <laughs> you know, exactly. How'd that work out for you? you yeah. Know, like, so um, it's not always great to be ahead of your time, but I think Psychonauts. Um, I love Psychonauts. I think it's one of the funniest games ever written. Yeah. Uh, the Milkman level is one of the greatest yeah, levels brilliant. ever made. Absolutely from, brilliant. From a from a presentational and writing point of view. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it. I you know I don't like the meat circus, but nobody does. Yeah. Um, why this didn't sell? I don't know. I, I don't. I I, I would agree with you though. Like the art style in this, not just the characters, but the world. Yeah, it's, it's almost like like a bad acid trip. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, think I don't know how that. else to like describe it. It's this was like, also sort of, you know, this was who put the, was this Majesco? Yeah, this out? it was, and it was right in that section where they Majesco's really trying to expand and become Turn a player, into a real publisher. And it was yeah. like this, and it crushed them. Yeah, it was this <laughs> and Advent Rising yeah. and one other thing all at the same time. Scribble, well, they did scribble knots, right? That was it that was kind of what put all the money in their coffers. Yeah, I think that's not what I'm thinking. It was another. I think it was like a. I think it was like a hot girl warrior person. Oh. Like, like not, it wasn't, it wasn't. Maybe someone in chat will know. It wasn't like Red Ninja, but it was something like that. Yeah. It was like some stupid, like bad girl, sort of Lara Croft. Ex, you know, ex- uh, Snub Barracuda says, it absolutely is a bad acid trip. I think that's on the box. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, none of that. And they had like contests that were given like a million dollars in a yeah. contest with each of these games. And just that was Advent it. Rising. Yeah, Advent yeah. Rising. They all, and they all just, crashed and burned crap and bad yeah and i would argue that psychonauts was the only good one of them yeah um no that's true advent oh, man i remember being so hyped for advent rising i read that game informer article yeah, about it like everybody two years did. before it came out <laughs> they're talking orson scott card is writing this and they're bringing this in and tommy tallarico's doing the music and it's gonna yeah. be like the most it's gonna be a trilogy and they're gonna and you play it like this doesn't work like yeah. none of this works like i, I can't even move like it reminded me a lot of like the matrix game yeah, all the high had a lot of that. And <laughs> equal levels of jank. Uh, music was good though. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Vanquish. Vanquish is too hard for your average person. But I don't again, I don't think people knew that until after yeah. they Well, bought. the problem with it is like the other thing is that Vanquish is an astoundingly deep and complex skill-driven game. It absolutely hiding is. behind one of the most generic art designs I've ever seen. I mean, it looks like... God Hand is a little bit like that, too. Yeah, God Hand has some of that, although God Hand is... Five minutes of God Hand will show you, it's like, oh, what the hell are these people doing? Like, yeah. it's, it's a little crazy. <laughs> this game looks like someone just said, make a Halo for us. Yeah, and in Japan. In, from Japan, yeah. This make a, a Halo, game, make a Japanese way. Halo. This is a Platinum. A-team. And, um, Platinum's A-team. Yeah, and well, and it shows if you play it and learn it. Yeah. But, like, but, like, you look at this, and it just looks like the most generic techie futury shooter and the story is very and the story is very and... dull and like the characters you know the characters are like i'm a i'm a mech suit but i'm smoking a cigar because i'm <laughs> i don't care and i'm dante from devil may cry no, it's but like in the it's, future, it's far in the future but we're still smoking cigars yeah. <laughs> and it's just it just there is nothing about almost anything you see in this these in the trail at least the marketing material at the time 
that indicated that there was as much uh, there was as much game in here as there is. And then you started to see, you know, you know, years really later, even, you'd see like these experts that are just doing these crazy maneuvers and like the huge boss fights and. You know, the, you know, and the game almost teaches you the wrong way early on. Like, oh, get behind this cover. It's like, no, you're not up behind cover. You're sliding. You're yeah, sliding all yeah, the time. All you're the moving, time. moving, yeah, moving. Yeah. It's a platinum game. You got to move, move, move. It was like yeah. one of the... It, and it, they it tried kind of, to make you play it like it was Gears. Yeah, and it was You saw that for a long time with Japan. They saw the success of Gears of War. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we need to make a cover-based something. So I think, I think the problem with Vanquish was that it just did not hint... At what, what it, it was. really was, yeah. what, how good it was under there, and it was—it just was. I think uh, not to the same degree because it's not as good a game as Vanquish, but I think Binary Domain had a That's similar another problem. Example, yeah. uh, another Sega game. Yeah. Uh, but that game was really cool in that, like, you, you know, it was a shooter. It was kind of a Gears style shooter a little bit, but you could take the robots apart piece by piece, and there was just things well, that fly like off. It was like a strategy RPG kind of, wasn't it? Binary Domain. That was a shooter. Was it? it? Was a pure shooter. What Bin- was the? action rpg that kind of had a vat system but you use like real guns i thought sega published it as well oh that was uh alpha protocol yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah, of. yeah. that was i never got too far binary into domain alpha protocol yeah it's an ab a- <laughs> yeah um alpha protocol was um uh that was obsidian uh right that right. was like there's a really good story in there and that was at some of the most it was really consequential janky. choice making like the story completely changed depending on what you did yeah and it what did. You but very few people got very far in it because part of my, my problem with alpha protocol was that early on it was one of those games where you're a super highly trained super agent but until you put some points in upgrading your gun stuff you can't hit the broadside of a barn because your aim sway is so bad um i didn't get too far in that game i remember like, you no know, that's another good a good comparison point as well is Alpha Protocol. Yeah. Which I think has found That's what I thought you were talking about. And I remember when uh, we were reviewing this at Game Trailers, Vanquish, Justin Spear, like, brought me into his office. He's like, I want you to come and watch me play this game Mm -hmm. because this is a very hard review to write and I want to show you how complex the gameplay is in this because if you just watch somebody playing it, you're not going to get it. And if, in other words, just watching footage, not Mm -hmm. watching someone with a controller in their hands. He's like, I want to come and explain to you what I'm doing while I play it so that when I turn in my review to you, you're not going to be like you're insane. So I went over and watched him play it, and I was blown. First of all, Justin Spear was really good at games. And uh, watching him play that game and then going back and watching one of our interns, like capturing it for footage or whatever, was like night and day. And, uh, and so it worked. Like, he explained to me how it worked, and then I went home, and I tried to play it, and I realized he was, like, a god at the game. Um, and then whenever I actually read his review, I was like, okay, this all makes sense to me. But, but I think you're right. I think it was the messaging around the game was all wrong, and we struggled as an outlet at GT, I think, to convey it as mm-hmm. well. Well, I didn't get it. I mean, I played it when I, I think I might, maybe I might have produced the review. I didn't review it. But I might have produced the segment, the review segment for it on X-Play. And I remember playing it and just like being like, oh, man, this is fine, cool, like shoot this, do that. And I remember then seeing like footage of people really playing, like what you're describing and how Justin played it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's in that game? Like that's, yeah. like, you played it like, like there's it was a different no game. hint. There was no hint when I, you know, I've only played like probably an hour or two of it. But like there was no hint that you could do things like that in it. And it's, it's such a skill-driven game. Well, Plat- I think at the end you and had we didn't to be know about good. Platinum as right, well. Like, Platinum right, didn't yeah. have that rep quite yet. Yeah. And so at least not with, like, the mainstream. So, yeah, it was, I, th- I think uh, this was just uh, a case of um, both a generic look and, like, 
people not finding the real game under there. You know, it, yeah. it, it remind, actually reminded me of um, my direct comparison to that would probably be the uh, PlayStation 2 Shinobi. Uh, which was a no, tremendously that's, that's, skill-driven, like that game was hard. Oh my god, that game! And like, I mean, I don't know if you remember uh, Miguel Concepcion. Miguel got S rank on everything in that game, and like I watched him. And do we could some hardly of it. complete levels. No, it was like watching some kind of other other <laughs> like being. Well, like, remember where, we had to? Didn't we have to bring him in to capture footage? Yeah, because nobody on the staff could play it past yeah. like the second level. Yeah, only he could do some of the higher level stuff yeah. and some of the boss, he, and he could do it without being touched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it was. You do it flawlessly. Then yeah. he did the same thing again with Night Nightshade when yeah. that came out. That's right. That's right. Um, so those games, I, Vanquish always reminded me of those games in the sense that you could totally fumble your way through Shinobi yeah. without ever realizing all the how crazy stuff you could supposed to do. play it or yeah. how you could play it. All right, last game we're going to talk about is Beyond Good and Evil. That mm -hmm. probably is the poster child for great game, didn't sell. Mm -hmm. If it's not... Psychonauts is beyond good and evil. Yeah, which which I think I've always like vaguely connected them in my head. Probably just because they're both green. Well, they also came they, out pretty. They came out around the same other. time, but they also both had a very strong green, cool tint hues, to them. green yeah. and blue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I th and both in the game and in the uh, on their cover art. No, you're right. Yeah, you're um, right. Both Psychonauts had a green in the in the art, and Jade was wearing green. So and Jade is named after green. Yeah. So why do you think? That this game did not sell when it came out. I don't really know. I this mean, is to, the most perplexing one to me. Well, part of it is like, I slot this in the same category as something like Valerian or the Fifth Element. Like the you know like like I talk about all the time like the 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 French comic book space opera thing. Yeah, yeah. The Mobius style stuff. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing just doesn't sell here, and I don't it know why. Sell it didn't sell anywhere. Didn't sell anywhere. But like. <laughs> That kind of thing just doesn't do you any favors. Um, for whatever reason, people just didn't didn't click with anyone. I loved this game from first sight. Like I, so did the, I. The instant yeah. I saw this, I'm like, I have to play this. I have to. And I, I, you know, I didn't even see any. I didn't need to see anything more than the art style and the world it took place in. I was all hyped on the photography it. thing. Yeah, too, the photography thing was really cool. At that point, that really hadn't happened in games. There was like Pokemon Snap. Yeah. And that was pretty much like it. And the idea that you're basically playing this woman who. Like she's a she's a reporter, she's a photographer, it was completely and like and it's all based around that. And yeah, you can hit things with a stick if you have to, but you're mostly supposed to avoid combat yep. and just sort of figure your way through this stuff. Her motivation to like save these or you know it, it all worked. And yeah. it like part of the problem is that I think it's you're 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 this is an early example of a of a game that's pretty much the whole game is act one of something. Yeah, you know it ends on a cliffhanger. It kind of ends when it's just starting to get going plot wise. Like until then, you're just sort of enjoying your way through this world and with these characters. But when, like right at the end, you're like, "Oh wow, it's getting good." Well, it starts to turn and then into it just a stops. game, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, but like that doesn't really explain. You know, word of mouth doesn't explain why it didn't sell outright from the beginning because like so much of game sales are front loaded. Well, also it's like you know the word of mouth on this game was amazing. Yeah. Reviews were sky high. Everyone that played it that I, I've never met somebody who played this game that didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I mean. Some people wouldn't say it was as good as maybe I would say it was, but I've never met someone who played it and was like, this was, game is crap. Like, I've never met somebody mm -hmm. that said that. So to me, this game is completely perplexing. So after we've discussed six or seven of the most prominent great games that didn't sell, have you found a, a through thread yet? Not Something really. Something that ties them all? I think I have. I think it's marketing, man. Mm-hmm. I think it's either the inability to market it, marketing it wrong, 
Was um, Beyond Good and Evil marketed? Like, I don't really remember. Or my the third option was going to be or not marketed mm-hmm. at all. And a lot of these games, if you think about it, think about these. Onrush, Okami, Jade Empire, Psychonauts, Vanquish, Beyond Good and Evil. Do you remember seeing a TV commercial for any of those? I remember seeing TV commercials for uh, Psychonauts. For Psychonauts. Yeah, that's the, only, I don't. that's the only one of those games I think I remember seeing commercials for. I think that's really the problem. Now, to be fair, that's an era where I did not have cable. So I would not have seen... Yet you saw a TV commercial. I I do remember commercials for Psychonauts. I don't don't remember them at all, and I've always had TV, but still, that's one out of like seven or eight games. Mm -hmm. So to me, it really is just a lack of marketing. I never saw a commercial for Okami. Yeah. How do you have a game that reviews like a nine, and you don't invest money in advertising? In the world's biggest market. Jade Empire. Maybe I remember seeing a commercial or two for that. Who published Jade Empire? It It might have been Microsoft. Was it? Oh, yeah, because it was an Xbox exclusive, wasn't it? At first, it was, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why I saw commercials for it, because Microsoft Mm. was like, hey, we need to obviously promote this exclusive game. Well, clearly they didn't push it as hard as they pushed Sudeki. Yeah. But Psychonauts, I don't remember any ads for that. Vanquish, definitely not. Beyond Good and Evil, I don't remember anything definitely not. I mean, magazine ads is about yeah. all I remember for Beyond Good and Evil and Vanquish. So, to me, that's where the ball was dropped on all these games. Mm-hmm. And maybe the publisher didn't have as much faith well, Onru- in the game. The, I've only heard of Onrush from you. Right. Like, that's the only time I've... <laughs> exactly. I mean... There have definitely not been any commercials for Onrush. No. None. But I haven't seen, like, banner ads, like, pop-ups, like... Yeah. Like the PlayStation Store, like nothing. I've been seen on Rush. Any, maybe I did, or I just I just ignored it because the title's so generic to me. I don't know. Maybe more than anything, this shows that word of mouth can only go so far. Oh yeah, that's totally true. And maybe, word of maybe mouth, today, word of mouth different. can make a, a strongly marketed game into a long-tailed juggernaut. Or, but like, I mean, clearly, clearly, GTA Five hasn't had any commercials in a while. Yeah, yeah. But like, well, actually, they are running commercials now. But for you got to start. Like, you got to... Maybe you, this really shows, though, the power of social media. Because most of these games came out before MySpace yeah. or Friendster existed, before people were sharing, hey, I really like this on Twitter. Or at least before that hit critical mass. Right. Yeah. And so maybe it's a mix of the two. Poor marketing and advertising with a lack of social mm. media. The inability for people to share their love for something as much as they can Yeah, I feel like an Okami or a Psychonauts wouldn't have gotten buried. Because also you're kind of looking at, like, there's a lot of indie games that get big now yeah. that f- you feel like, I mean, would would Hollow Knight have been the, the hit it was no. without social media? No without way. people being able to spread the word that way? No Probably way. not. Nope. Without a doubt. Uh, so we came to a conclusion on this one. Or I at guess. least a dual-headed conclusion. Um, Poor marketing plus particular avenue of marketing not existing not existing yet. that that could propel games like this now to success yeah. and you're right man think about some of these indie games it could also doom you though yeah look at no man's sky it kind of right. doomed no man's sky social but, it also, media. but it also resulted in you know in a, in a world before social media no man's sky might have come out had a patch or two and that's true disappeared but yeah. You know, I, I feel like to some degree this, I mean, obviously nobody should get death threats or any of some of the abuse that the Hello Games people took, but the fact that people cared so much, at least maybe to spurred issue death them, threats. not to <laughs> issue death threats, but there was also a huge fan base that, you know, people like me that loved the game, they were like, this could be a lot better, dude. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like this is, you know, 
if you can filter out the crazy people, there are some sane people. There's some who very are, who want. The there's game some to be very great. cogent criticism of this game happening yeah, yeah. in others. You know, if you ignore the 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 brigaders or whatever. Yeah. Like there's some very cogent criticism of this game, and like you know, and I think you know. Hello Games did a very good job of taking that criticism and saying, like, yeah, it could be this. We could do this. We could get there. And they did get there. And I feel like without that kind of, like, interaction or, or even maybe pressure of the social media scenario, not to excuse the poor behavior that they experienced, um, the, you, we would not be talking about Next right now. Yeah, right. And I feel like, in, I feel like uh, in, in the wake of social media being such a factor in gaming circles... Maybe not Jade Empire, but like I think every other one of those games, maybe not Onrush is too new, but the other games you listed there, I think are held in very high regard now. Oh, by, they are. By most people. Yeah, Mongo Taku, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't help the publisher make no, any money off of the games now. But also, how, how many of those games have had remasters? All of them, except Onrush. Did Vanquish get a remaster? Yeah, Vanquish it came just, out for Van- PC, but. Vanquish had a PC version and they went backwards compatible oh, on okay. Xbox One. Um, and I think I think I think you can get it on PlayStation Four. I don't sure. remember, but Vanquish. I mean, Vanquish came back in a way I never expected. It Obviously, to. Okami's been Okami's been on everything like five times already. So um, Beyond Good and Evil's had a couple of re-releases. I'd like to see a re-release come out that can invert Y. Yeah. Because my pro- I, I was I remember it came out on 360 and I, on my Xbox Live Arcade and I was so excited to play it again and it came out and. The, if you invert Y, you also invert X. They don't have separate, separate axes options, huh. and that makes it completely unplayable. Oh, I'm like, ah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so I never actually got to play that again because I couldn't make it work properly. So I'd like to, I, if they are actually going to do Beyond Good and Evil 2, I'd love to see them put out a new remaster of it that has separate Y axis options because I'm one of the inverted Y weirdos. One thing I will say is, since social media became a thing. There has not really been a great game that did not sell. And so yeah, like they, I think you look at the indie market for that, like stuff like Night in the Woods or like those yeah. things that you would think would be like super super niche things that can yeah. sell real well. Word of mouth. Word of mouth is does very it. powerful now. And then uh, you've got, I think they're even doing better now that you're getting like people double dipping on the Switch versions. I mean, honestly, back then the only people, the only way people knew if games were even good or bad was to watch. Tech TV or G4, yeah. or to go to a gaming website or, or buy a gaming magazine. Or rent them from Blockbuster. Or rent them. Rent them from Blockbuster. And give them a go. Absolutely. Uh, they didn't have millions of people just like them telling them, go buy it or don't buy yeah. it like they do now. So it makes a big difference. It was a big... Renting... renting it's funny how renting was used to be such a thing. There was a, there was a store. I can't remember what it was called. There was a store in um, the Kepler's bookstore, like like shopping area in Palo Alto, Menlo Park, uh, up, up in the San Francisco Peninsula, and it was the only place I ever found that rented Game Gear games. Wow. They rented Game Gear, Game Boy, and Lynx games. And like I had a Game Gear, and I rented like everything they had. It was like, yeah. this, it was like this gleaming white store, and like they had like these giant shelves, and there was like five games on each shelf, because there was so few things for uh-huh. the system. But like, I, that was the only place I found to rent those, and it was, it was like one of those things where, like, if you were a handheld gamer at the time, you were screwed because there was no way to try anything. Yeah. You just had to dive in, pay thirty bucks for something. Blockbuster and hope eventually it didn't would suck. rent GBA games. GBA, yeah, but yeah. if you're a Sega kid, yep. you you were you <laughs> SOL. Were up the creek. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're gonna move on to a fun segment called News or Noise. 
This is a new one, Matt. And you will notice this time I did actually remove stuff from your rundown. So yes. you're, you're going in blind. I, th I thought a minute ago I saw you trying to look over and see what they were. So I didn't realize what that was. So I strategically was. was putting my thumb over the top. Of I didn't realize what that was until we got there. <laughs> I assume this is another like high-low kind of thing? No, a little, bit, a little bit. It's are a we little ferreting, gimmicky. Are we ferreting out fake news? Is that what we're doing? No, that's not what this is or, at all. So <laughs> I am going to give you a headline. And you tell me whether it's news or noise, meaning does it actually matter? Do, mm. Is there any relevance to the story or not? And these are all typically headlines that have been making the rounds across the interwebs over the last week and obviously on Sifted because we curate all that stuff. So here's the first one. News or noise? Fortnite kids getting coaches. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but this is a story that is spread yeah. everywhere. I saw it on CNN yesterday. Everyone is like blown away by the fact that parents are hiring coaches to make their kids better at Fortnite. Is it news or noise? I mean, in the sense that like, is it real or is it like unimportant? Is it something worth the, the discussion it's getting? Which would mean it's news. Uh, I mean, I guess it's news in the sense that like, I don't remember that happening recently with anything else. I mean, I don't remember any Minecraft tutoring because that's such a freeform game. It kind of highlights how competitive the Fortnite scene is, even among like twelve-year-olds. Like it's, and it's, and and how ubiquitous it is that like these mainstream cable networks would feel the need that this is something we should talk about because everybody. Look, I went to a bewitched convention this past weekend, and the, <laughs> that was mostly 60-something, late 50s, early 60s people who were there to talk about a 1960s... Uh, early 70s Early 70s show. sitcom, yeah. and they knew what Fortnite was, <laughs> and all could talk about it. Like, like well. and just having been exposed to it through their grandchildren and children, they all knew stuff about Fortnite. I haven't seen something penetrate the culture like this since... I don't know, Pokemon Go. Probably. Yeah, I was in Vegas this past weekend, as everybody knows. And uh, this is a trip I go on every year. And it's a bunch of people who used to work with us at Tech TV. Mm -hmm. And some other people as well. But most of the people from Tech TV did not work with us on X-Play or any of the game stuff. But they know that I'm like the quote-unquote games guy. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I sat down with all of them, in came the Fortnite stuff. Like, oh, my son is so addicted to Fortnite. We had to set up all these rules. We never had to worry about screen time with him before, and now we do. But the coaching thing, people seem to be blown away that parents would pay somebody. The, the going rate apparently is 20 bucks an hour to coach their kids to get better at Fortnite. And do you think that people have a reason to be flabbergasted by that, or are they just way behind and should get with it? I think there's a reason to be flabbergasted in the sense that, like, Fortnite may or may not exist in four years. So, like, why? who cares if you're that good at it? I mean, I, I think get the comparison a lot of people are drawing is, okay, well, parents get tutors for their kids to learn math, or they get them, like, a private right. hockey coach or right, whatever. But, like, like, but hockey's going to hockey be around and, forever. Like, hockey and piano are not going anywhere. Right. Like, You'll always be able to sit down and play piano somewhere, but Fortnite may is a temporal thing. Yeah. And like I guess like the skills might translate to another game, but it's like what's the end game there? It's like the idea being that like because streaming and because like pro gaming is like a viable 
path now to some of these folks? I don't know. I, I don't... had a lot of those people they in just... Las Vegas asking me about pro gaming. Do they just want like a, you know as part of the kids like scheduled structured afternoon because no kid can ever be able to just fucking go off and play on their own again? <laughs> no, you're right. Because man, I, being a modern child would have driven me nuts. No, you're right. Everything's got to be all structured and organized. Like is it, is it just another hour they don't have to deal with the kid? Right. You know? And yeah, they're not going to complain because they're playing Fortnite. Right. You know. <laughs> Do you hit the point where you would, in fact, pay $20 for an hour of peace? I don't know. I mean, know. I think you pay that much for a babysitter anyway. Sure. You might as well have your kids learning something. And while hey, you're if you're good it. at Fortnite, start calling your parents in your neighborhood. Screw it. Like, <laughs> money to be made. So, this is actually news the fact that parents are like freaking out that someone would pay for their kid to learn how to play Fortnite. I think it's, it's news, it's yeah. legit. Yeah, We're I both kind of so. like, yeah, that, why would you? Yeah, but I which mean, coming I, from us is a little weird, right? It's, a, I mean, yeah, but it's like it's it's a it's a it's an unusual story and it's a it's a unique phenomenon even among these like you know super big online games. So yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't be a news story. Yeah, well, it's it, like I, I tell you, like I have certain friends that text me, and that's how I know when things get big. Mm-hmm. They'll text me about it, and sure enough, last week I got a couple texts from some of my friends who have kids, and they're like, "What's up with Fortnite? My kids want to play it. Is it cool?" Is it violent? Like, it's, hmm. it's, you're right. It's the biggest thing since Pokemon Go. I got some of that stuff from Pokemon Go, the random text mm-hmm. from old friends or whatever. Now I'm getting it about Fortnite, but mostly in regards to their kids. And then some of them will even be like, well, I like playing it with them. Yeah. I think a lot of parents, like, if right. they're going to buy a game, they want to make sure that they're going to enjoy it too. And I think most of them probably would. Well, the good news is you don't have to buy it. That's right. It's free. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's so popular. So. All right, so that's one, and we say news on that one. I think so. All right, here's the second one. News or noise? Vampire is the next game to get nerfed in provide a mode where you can basically just see all the story sequences. Is that news or noise? Um, I mean, I, I'd probably call that noise. Yeah. Because I don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm, not, I'm never going to use that mode. Um, but, but people if, are but up in you... arms because some people have, work their way through the game and now someone can just sit oh, there get over yourself right like it's, it's like oh i did so much work on your vampire video game go away <laughs> like if someone just wants to play i know a couple people that bought that game because they love gothic right. vampire stuff and they're not good enough at video games to get through some of the parts even this, though it was this, easy i thought it was pretty easy but i played a lot of really janky action rpgs right, right. in my time these people have, have probably haven't picked up something where you swing a sword at something since they played ocarina in 1998 yeah you know? Like and and that game is not straightforward in terms of some of the combat stuff because it is mildly broken in places. Yeah. The combat is definitely the weak link, and some of the boss battles are are tough if you're not ready for them or you don't understand how the systems work. With the and uh, I've run into that with some of these couple friends, especially one particular boss about halfway through the game, and they just want to see the rest of the game. And if this mode lets them do that, great. Like they paid sixty bucks, they should get to get to play it yep. I, so it's just like i don't under, i don't care if if there's an easy mode added to dark souls either like i don't a lot of people do oh absolutely but i don't care i mean i wouldn't use it but like more options are always good like i don't i, I don't think you should tell anybody how to use whatever they buy with their own money no like I, like 
You buy that, you can do whatever the hell you want with it. Like this, I do not care. Like this weird, as long as you're not hurting somebody else. I don't understand the weird thing. It's like, oh, you shouldn't get to see the end of this game like I did because I'm I better it. at it. I earned and it. It's like that's the that's the. You need to go outside. That's the perspective, though. It's right. I earned it. You didn't. Right, but I don't. That's not. It's a video game. And how? It's, how is it's it any to be different? Fun. Right. And how is it any different than just going on YouTube and watching someone play through a game? Right. Or watching a video where they just compile all the cutscenes, like IGN does a lot of times with games, where it's just whatever game, the movie, and they literally just clip together all the cutscenes so you can yeah. watch the plot and, and not I've actually. I've seen some things where people say, "Well, you know, that's it. You should just have to go watch." Uh, the YouTube video, and you know, you know, if you want to really play, this, experience it in the game, you have to be good. I'm like, no, like, what if? Shouldn't I you actually just be happy that instead of going to YouTube and watching someone play it, or watching that compilation of cutscenes, that they gave money to the developer of this game that you love? Because now that developers right. made money, and maybe they make another one that you can play. Well, and maybe like the person enjoys playing through the the, you know, the easy mode, and they decide to pick up the next game that developer right. makes. Or maybe that's their gateway game. That there gets is them no into such that thing genre. as a bad scenario in which more people, people buy a game. Exactly. Like there you go. I don't. You know, as long as they're not taking away the normal mode, yeah. who cares? Yep. Agreed. All right. The next one. This one's a little dicey. News or noise? GT Sport, Gran Turismo Sport, adds microtransactions. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's news in the sense that didn't they say they weren't going to do that? That and, and, and the fact that Sony so Sony far... Sony doesn't do that, really. No. Yeah. And, like, it's also weird in the sense that so many other publishers pulled so far back from that this E3. Well, and now here's ironically, Sony. the same week they announced microtransaction in Gran Turismo Sport, they removed them from Forza. Right. That was another big headline mm -hmm. this week, is that they were taking micro microtransactions mm -hmm. out of the latest Forza. Next up, crossplay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't... I, part of me, the cynical, completely lacking in evidence part of me, wants to say, like, well, you got to keep polyphony in business somehow. While they spend years and years <laughs> working on the same game over and over again. That's true. But, like, maybe, the, I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. Well, I think a lot of people, the fear is, is that this is just the first step. And now Sony is going to be like every other publisher mm. and start jamming microtransactions into everything. I think that's a little paranoid. Um, it certainly hasn't shown. They haven't haven't shown any inclination to do that so far. But it has uh, shown an inclination to not do it at all. Yeah, very strongly so but far. Like, it I, is a turning of the page for Sony in some ways. Well, I don't know. Like Gran Turismo has always kind of been its own beast. Um, Gran Turismo is so weird in that like Sony doesn't really have a whole lot of other things like it. And even when they do come up with something like it, like Drive Club, it doesn't impact Gran Turismo. It's like, whoa, Drive yeah. Club's going to replace Gran Turismo. No, Gran no. Turismo is just always going to be kind of hanging out there in the background and yeah. come out every couple of generations. And, it's and sales and have people really that, fallen. And but... people who refuse to buy a, an Xbox are going to play that and pretend it's as good as Forza. Yeah. That's basically what's going to happen. Right. And that is what has happened for the last, like, ten years. So, I mean, do I see a future in which God of War 2 has microtransactions? No. No, you I don't? do not. No, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. Because God of War 2 is not coming out for like five years. Yeah, so. but that doesn't mean... I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think Sony is such a giant fragmented beast of a company that the people that handle this game might think this is a good idea, but the people that handle the other games might be like, oh, you people are crazy. 
Like, I don't think you're seeing a unified company policy forming here. So you think it's noise then? I think it's news in the sense that it's Sony being weird again. I mean, I think there's that kind of feeling of like Sony being weirdly out of step with like what everybody else is doing that I think is also tied in with a crossplay thing and that, kind of, and that sort of thing. Um, and not addressing the Fortnite uh, account problem and that kind of thing. Uh, I, think I mean, Sony's becoming kind of... I think it's noise in the sense that, like, the idea that this is some kind of, like, death knell or, you know, bell herald, herald, heralding the, the beginning of the Sony microtransaction era, I don't think that's true. I think this is just... They're trying to make Gran Turismo into, another, into a valid revenue stream in a way that, like, it just hasn't been. And certainly the way that it has... I mean, you don't need more revenue out of God of War. It sold 10 million freaking copies. Gran yeah. Turismo ain't gonna sell that. Yeah, but and their shareholders are going to say, well, yeah, they sold that many of, EA sold that many of Battlefront, and instead of making, you know, $300 million on that game, they made, like, $750 million or whatever. Yeah, but they're not going to know that because EA doesn't share those numbers. It does, actually. Internally, EA does. maybe. No, EA shares that stuff. Eh, I, just, I don't see it. I, I, I think I, it's news. I think it's absolutely news. I, I, I think it needs... If it was any other publisher, if, I wouldn't care, if you, if but it's Sony. And Sony's been, if you mean is it news in terms of, like, like this is where Sony's going Like, the story matters. No. I mean, that's, you don't think the story matters? Not unless you're a Gran Turismo player, no. Wow. I think it does. I think it absolutely does. I think it's a big departure with one of Sony's biggest franchises. If it had been, like... So, it's not one of their biggest franchises. Not anymore. Gran Turismo is irrelevant. I don't know about that. Unless you're a GT fan, Gran Turismo is irrelevant. And like, all you need to do is look at some of the arguments that happen on forums and Twitter about between Forza and GT. Like, the people that stick so hard to GT are people who only own Sony platforms. The people that have both are just like, oh, I play Forza. Like, Forza is is I think has overtaken GT. Oh, for sure, it's and the better game. I mean, absolutely, objectively like, the better game. But like. If you're if you're still like a GT diehard, you're a you're a tiny minority. Those th- those those games still sell well compared to like say you know, Onrush, but like they're not a force anymore. G- Gran Turismo used to define what driving games were. Well, it used to and sell don't ten do to fifteen anymore. million copies. Oh, they, you remember what I mean? I I don't even I never even like Gran Turismo very much, but GT three still sold me a PlayStation two. That's when I finally bought a PlayStation 2. Oh, that bundle, bundle sold through oh, the yeah. roof. Through the roof. But the I don't roof. think this is... To me, this isn't about Gran Turismo. It's about Sony. I think this is Gran, I think this is desperation on the part of Gran Turismo. Trying to make Gran Turismo that would also open make a new news. revenue stream. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> it's news in that regard. Yeah. But I don't think it's news in the sense like, oh, get ready. All Sony games are going to have... You know, Dreams is going to be selling you... You know, like pieces of platformer, you know, construction bits, like, you know, five bucks a piece. It's like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. I, I have generally, once, like, the first leak in the dam happens, in short order, you see another one, and then another one, and then, and then boom, the whole dam breaks. Yeah, like, but I think it's a different world now. I think the microtransaction thing has already had its rebellion against it. Even EA's pulling back. It's all, you know, it's, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it happening. All right, so you're saying noise-ish. Noise from the perspective of, is, does this define Sony's attitude towards microtransactions going forward? News in the sense that they felt the need to add this to Gran Turismo. Okay. Which is like, to me, to me, to me this is a big 
sign that they don't have confidence in this game to sell enough to make up for what it costs to make it. And I think this is like their their last ditch attempt of like, well, maybe we can you know break even on this thing if we use this that we don't like to use, but like we don't have a choice right now. Okay, I'm gonna say news on both fronts. I agree with you on that front as well. Uh, next up, news or noise. Esports rejects pop culture. DJ Khaled performs at the Overwatch event <laughs> and doesn't get booed off the stage. He gets ignored off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's saying that, you know, esports is this big industry that's generating billions of dollars and they're projecting mm-hmm. for it to make double those billions in, a, in the next three years or whatever. And everyone's trying to figure out how do you cater to this audience? How do you work with this audience? How do you entertain this audience with things Apparently outside Apparently not of with DJ Khaled. <laughs> so is it news or noise that because of what happened with DJ Khaled that it's very difficult, is that the esports crowd is a very difficult nut to crack? No, I think that's noise. I think it's because it was a poor matching of artist with venue. Uh, he didn't seem to know where he was. Yeah. At some point, I think he said something like, I had to come here. <laughs> like he, he was at Barclays Center, right, by the I way. Don't he, in, I don't think he knew what the he event was. doing, was. right? I don't think he knew what Overwatch was, yeah. really. And, like, look, we've been to a bunch of, like, concerts and things and game event things. And, like, gamers don't sing along with your stuff unless it's, like, I don't know, the Portal song. And, like... But, like, I went to the Fortnite, Fortnite party at E3, and it was all hip-hop artists mm-hmm. that were performing. At least when I was there, it was all hip-hop. And people were moderately yeah, but paying also, attention to it. But also, you were there to, to have a party. Right. The people at Barclays... These also and, weren't, the kid, they weren't the kids. Right. They the, were but adults. But also, these, were, these people were there to see the Overwatch finals. They weren't there to go to a concert. You know, like... And, like, I get that you want to have make it an event and do this, but it's like, no. Like, you know what would have been better... Is if you'd who's the guy that runs Blizzard or runs is it Pardo? Is yeah. It Pardo, or, mm-hmm. or is it who's Jeff something or John? Or? I think that's it, Jeff Pardo. Yeah. yeah. Send him out and have him sing something. Everybody would have gotten into is that. Is that better? Oh, they love him. <laughs> yeah. They call him they call him Dad. Oh jeez. Is that his name? Is that who it is? I think it's Jeff Pardo. Jeff something. Yeah. Um, he one of those guys. Someone from the community. Someone from that. Like that would have worked better. Like, but like. Just bringing in some random musical act to like try to hype people. It's like people are already are more hyped up by like a big play in one of the one of the rounds than they were by like this. It just felt like wasting time. Maybe I don't think it has anything to do with like. Maybe the news is that the event organizers for esports still do not get their audience. Somewhat, but I mean that's not news. Any, I mean. This goes back to, to me, this goes back to how, like, when they used to do G-Foria or whatever, and their big centerpiece was the Black Eyed Peas, and it's like, who gives a shit? Like, not that I dislike the Black Eyed Peas, but it's like, that's not what I'm here at a gaming event for. I touched Fergie, Matt. <laughs> well, I didn't, and I didn't have a good time. I sat in the back with Sean Baby and drank. And that's made fun did, of everything. Pretty much. Uh, so I would say... Yeah, it's noise. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not anything new yeah. for sure, and it's like it's certainly the not the first or the last like weird entertainment. It app might be the last. To uh, they to, may to have bomb. learned the lesson for. I mean, the other thing too is that Blizzard is the one putting this stuff together. Right? Isn't and it weird that they were kind of colorblind to uh, their audience and? 
I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not like out of the realm of like logic to think that you might want some entertainment there, but it just it wasn't it didn't work. And like, I mean, if they if, told and me. also like if the dude had just gotten up there and done in the act and sung the songs and not spent all this time talking about how awesome he was and trying to get everybody to sing along by holding the mic out for awkward amounts of time, like it probably would have gone better. Like because if you just get up his, there, do your thing, and get off the stage. That's the problem, though. That is his thing. Right. Like if you go see him at like Coachella or whatever, and he does that. Everyone sings along. Mm. That's his act. So you're saying he played himself. He did his act. Yeah, absolutely. And usually where he goes, it works. But not with that crowd. They weren't having it. Why were they not having it? They didn't care. They weren't there for that. And I'm sure... And and how do you know how many people in that audience are fans of his? Like, like, I've been to plenty of events where somebody, they had some act come up and I'm like, I couldn't sing along their song. I don't know their songs. I don't dislike them. I don't dislike the act. I don't like, you know, but I just don't know them, their work well enough to, like, get excited that they're there, you know? Well, I would say this. I'd rather... Did they take a poll? Is there, like, a big DJ Khaled fan <laughs> core in the Overwatch? I mean, they're, it's fandom? Blizzard. Like, you would think it would be smart enough to maybe do something like yeah. that, but I'm guessing it did not. But I, I don't know. If I'm at one of those events, and I'm not, obviously, I'm not big esports guy, and I don't go to tons of esports events or whatever... But if I were there, in the downtime in between matches, I would probably rather have someone perform than just sitting there in silence. Well, it's never It's silent. not like he was performing while they were competing. No, but it's It was like, just downtime. Well, then expect it to be downtime, because during downtime, people are going to do other shit and talk to each other and yeah. mill about. I like, think the problem is these artists are not used to being the talent yeah. for downtime. Well, sure. Although they're not used to, you know, I'm sure he's not used to not being the most important thing in the room. Right. And yeah. I guarantee to everybody in that arena, he was not. Well, he does a lot of festivals know, where he's you know like what the they low did, guy in the total Because you know what bowl. they did react to was every single person from the you know the Philly Fusion and the London Spitfires when they came right. in. Yeah. You, go back and look at the um, the Philly Fusion when they first walk in on the first day, and look how terrified they are when they see how many people are in that arena. Oh, really? Like the the, <laughs> the, the London team comes in, and it's like, yeah, what's up? But Philly comes in, and they're like. Oh my God! Like, it's like, and look, it's scary to walk onto a stage and see a th- thousands of people all of a sudden. Well, Barclays is where like NBA teams play. Yeah, you play. can't be it's ready a for big that. Big arena, yeah. You can't be ready for that. It's like, and actually, I think the closest I've ever seen uh, to that because I've stood on some of those stages here and there, not not as the the highlighted act, right? Thank, not the person everyone's looking. But at. I've had to do a couple of monologues in front of a whole lot of people, and like. Is the movie uh, for Love of the Game by Sam Raimi, directed by Sam Raimi, with oh. Kevin Costner as the pitcher, and it's like, it's mostly like a sappy love story, but it's told through flashbacks while he's pitching a perfect game in Yankee Stadium. And there's one shot about halfway through the movie where he goes to like you know re- reconnect to the pitching and and focus in, and the camera pulls down behind him on the mound, and you see. What the stands saying? of Yankee Stadium in front of him. <laughs> what this man has to look, what every pitcher on that mound has to look at and screen out to throw a ball at that catcher, right. catcher's mitt. And it's just like, how? How do you do yeah. it? It's one of the most like amazing shots of, of its era. Well, I think and if like, you look at any uh, footage of festivals, like music festivals yeah. on the main stage. Just the endless scene. Where they show from behind the band and you look out and it's just, People, people as yeah. far as you can see, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. Oh, yeah. Like. But, like, 
So that, yeah, watch watch the Philadelphia Fusion players go through that emotional roller coaster. That was more interesting to me yeah. than the Khaled story. Well, I hate Khaled anyway, so I don't. <laughs> I, I know basically nothing his, about him. I think his music's terrible. But. I know he's. I know he is the the you played yourself meme. Yeah, and I know that he doesn't uh, give oral sex. Those are the two <laughs> things I know about him. And maybe that's why all the Overwatch <laughs> fans hated him. The women are like, "Screw you, bro." Yeah. All right, let's move on to the last one. This is the biggest the one. The face I... of the brand is Tracer, and you know. Yeah, exactly. She, she's not afraid of it. Exactly. Uh, here's the last news or noise. And it's probably they the biggest They should have gotten one. like a DJ or something, like a, like a prominent like, They should have got a chiptunes artist. Or, yeah, a Anna Monaguchi. Like, or, yeah. Or it's even like, obvious. I think you get like, what they like Weird Al or somebody, they would have paid attention to that. <laughs> You're right. Weird Al or Jonathan Colton or somebody that's like part of the culture or something. No, you're right. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. All right, here's the last one. News or noise? Fortnite's success is hunt is uh, hurting the industry at large. This has been a big topic over the last week mm. and a half. Like, do we have we numbers on that, or is this just like? Yeah, I mean, like paranoia. super data. Yeah, I mean, there there have been a couple different uh, consulting firms that have come out with reports showing that since Fortnite has taken off, that the rest of the industry has been suffering from mm-hmm. it. I mean, I guess it's new. I mean, I've been saying that for a while, not, not with Fortnite, but because I've been, also, been remember, saying, like, remember, the games as a service thing, you're, you're aiming towards a point where people are going to buy fewer games because they are engaged in these other games for longer. Yep. Like, they've, this has been the goal, so why is everybody so freaking surprised? Because they're not the ones who succeeded. Well, I think the other part, too, is that... Nobody thought Epic was going to be the one that did this. They thought it was going to be EA or Ubisoft, right? Well, the other thing, too, if you look at it, is because the game is free... Right. Companies like Amazon, compete. GameStop, they're not making a penny off of this game. Mm. And it's keeping people from coming into the stores and buying other games. Right. So in addition to that, you are, you're in a situation where like all boats are not rising exactly. with the tide. Which is rare. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, that's very uncommon. Right. Yeah. If this game were sold at retail, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But because you can download it for free and then just pay for microtransactions, mm-hmm. you're making all the money and no one else is getting anything. And you're also not bringing people into the store that they, where they might pick up another game or another system. Oh, man. If I, if I was one of the top people at Epic, I don't think I'd ever be able to stop giggling. Yeah, I know. Like, it must feel so good. I mean, even the people that we know that, like... It's almost getting obnoxious, honestly. <laughs> I mean, some of the people that we know that work at Epic, like, they were pretty cool about it for a while, but I don't know. I think they're starting to get a little obnoxious about it now. Yeah, like, there's, there's a little bit of Ash from Evil Dead sneaking in here, and there's yeah. a little bit of Hail of the King. Yeah, but exactly, like, yeah. But, man, like, this kind of thing happens once in a generation. Yeah? Once in two generations. Like, I, I say let them enjoy it. Absolutely. I mean, don't, I don't begrudge them at all. You don't know how long this is going to last, but I think they've they've got a chokehold on the on the zeitgeist of of, the, of gaming for at least the next few few years. Uh, I can't wait to see how they top next year's E3 party. Yeah. Because I think I, I think, don't know if you can. I don't know, but the Fortnite E3 party I think is a staple now. Well, hopefully next year you'll go. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know. Like, yeah. I was tired <laughs> from all the drinking at PAX. So I think we'll both say that's news. Yeah, I think so. It's legit. Like, it legitimately is hurting the industry. Mm-hmm. I, I but mean, it's cyclical, and eventually it'll go away. Yeah, it'll, it'll all, all come, come back. back. It'll, be, it'll be okay. Um, it's just, yeah, you might not hit some of your forecast targets this year because, you know, it's... Uh, I mean, but, if you're but a but big again, game getting ready to come out right now... 
You're a little nervous. It's pretty nervous, yeah. I mean, but again, this is the... Can this, you pry people away? Everybody's been after the games as a service thing for years, <laughs> and this is this is what success in that in yeah. that realm looks like. So if you have a problem with this, like why you've been trying to be epic all this time. Be careful what you ask careful for. Careful what you, you wish for, because you might not be the one who gets it. Who gets it. it. <laughs> That's good. All right, so there you go. That's news and news or noise. Did you have fun with that one? Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a pretty good topic. I kind of liked it. We're going to move on now and talk to talk about Evo 2018. We're not going to sit here and exhaustively discuss the fighting game tournament. We just want to kind of preview it for you guys because it's actually going on right now. Mm-hmm. In fact... Pools are happening. Yeah. In fact, they have gone all in. There are yeah. like eight streams. Oh, yeah. It's bigger than ever. I don't know if you saw, but the the whole um, face of the, the Luxor Pyramid has the logo like the esports oh like, really logo. like they they That's are awesome. going all out well, also because the evo logo is a triangle isn't it i don't it wasn't the evo logo. i don't remember if it was the evo logo but they they did up the it was like an esportsy thing yeah. i don't remember if it, that was specifically that evo thing because it's right next door mandalay bay yeah um but they had a, they were doing like uh, alex valle was posting pictures of like how they were they were putting up the logo on the on the luxor and i, I really like, wow, wish it had been last weekend because how perfect would it have been i'm going to vegas i could have just Yep. Just Went over there it. and checked it well, out. Well, no, you couldn't because you would have needed a ticket. All right. <laughs> I, I maybe could have got maybe it. Maybe could have, but it's like it's not like it was back in the day when you just sort of stroll into the ballroom. Well, I just and, pulled like, out my G4 business card. Oh, you don't even need there. that? There yeah, were no, there were no tickets. Right. You just walked, you just into walked the hotel. in. Yeah. It's not like that walked anymore. Walked to a hotel and found a seat. Now, yep. So, like, you got to get tickets to the Mandalay Bay Arena. And, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's legit now. It's ex- I love it. I, yep. I don't go so because it's so crowded and so, and, like, honestly, it's it's like. Dude, hotels this weekend? Yeah, hotels and all that. Hotels last weekend when I was there were outrageous. It's about and 118 degrees right now. When I checked in, I talked to the concierge and I was like, so it's really expensive this weekend. And they're like, oh, there's like a furniture convention or whatever. <laughs> That's exactly what was happening. That's why the rooms were insane. And I'm like, well, next weekend there's like this big gaming tournament. I'm like, what are the prices like for next? He's like, they're more. Mm-hmm. So Evo's become like a thing where everybody in Vegas knows it's coming and knows mm-hmm. what, what's going to happen. Um, so... There's like eight streams. We've curated one stream on the site, and it's the master stream, which will kind of jump around between all the important events. Um, if you're not hardcore and you don't want to go on Twitch and create bookmarks for, and I think there's a landing page maybe on Twitch with all the streams on I one page. I will say this. Most of the streams is, will be front-paged most yeah. of the time because they're going to be so heavily viewed. So. For the most part, you're probably gonna be able to just go to the front page of whatever Twitch, uh, on whatever app you're using, and just find one of the Evo streams right there. Um, we'll keep the master stream pinned to the top of everyone's already, over the weekend. Yeah, there's already some kind of some kind of ARG thing. I, all, a lot of the top pros, I know Justin Wong and a couple of people have gotten these like pieces of this message that if you put them all together, they're gonna form a bigger message, and they don't know. They're like, oh, what could this be? And so clearly, they're building to some announcement of something. Um, it looked like maybe it was Darkstalkers. Related. Really? It, it was like a. It, was, like, it looked like a parchment thing with sort of, sort of like a like a like a poem, like a like a creepy poem or something. And I'm like, uh-huh. I don't. I mean, could be Mortal Kombat, I guess, because it's also sort of got a like a got dark sort of horror thing to it. But like my my initial fanboy thought with no proof whatsoever was like, oh, that that could be like a Darkstalkers sort of like 
you know, kind of gothic like like scroll they put together, and because that would be big. Because there's, there's talk of Ono announcing his next project soon. I don't know if it would happen actually here. Yeah. But I think we'll see some some news happening. All right. On Sunday, at least on the finals day. Usually, get yes when you get that. Uh, just so you know, we're gonna go down, run down the lineup of the biggest games at Evo this year. Just so you know what to expect. Street Fighter Five is gonna be there yeah. every year, no matter what, until another Street Fighter comes. Until the out. next Street Fighter, yeah. Yeah. Um, is this still the game that you watch more than any other whenever you tune in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think overall that's true for Evo? Is Street Fighter still the biggest game? Always has been. We'll yeah. see. There's, there's, there's one, people are wondering this year if... Uh, Marvel versus Capcom's pretty big. Or not was. anymore. Uh, the, the big competitor this year is uh, Dragon Ball. Yep. Dragon Ball Fighters had, uh, for a while at least, I don't know if it did in the end, but it had more entrants than uh, Street Fighter V, which has never happened before. In Evo, the, the 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 Street Fighter game of the day has always had way more entrance than any other game. Like like ex- even though Street Fighter Five is pretty long in the tooth at this point. Yeah, but so but, is Street Fighter Four. Right. We're still yeah. getting like that. But but Dragon Ball uh, has caught on in a big way. So um, I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see a if it had more entrance. I don't. I haven't been keeping up, so maybe it did. Someone in the chat probably knows. It it did in the end. It sounds like Vincent says it did. Dragon Ball had more in the end. And it'll be interesting to see if it has more viewers in yep. the finals. That's, I, I really don't think that'll happen. But Well, I mean, I think Street Fighter is the one that's going to get ESPN coverage. Right. Because Capcom makes that deal. I mean, but, I, if I'm only going to watch one over the weekend, it's going to be Street Fighter for of course, me. Yeah. I but mean, like, but we're old men and aren't Dragon kid, Ball fans. You're right. The, the kids the are kid, probably... I think the, the kids are more excited about the Dragon Ball. Absolutely. Uh, the kids t- are more excited about the Dragon Ball. <laughs> That's how you know you don't know something. I you feel like I've been saying that already for like 15 years. <laughs> uh, Tekken 7. Tekken 7. Tekken yeah. 7 has a good Tekken 7 has. I, I, of... I'll, in full disclosure, I hate Tekken. Um, but Tekken I enjoy 7. Tekken. Tekken 7 has uh, gotten traction I really didn't expect it to get. Because for a long time, the Tekken. The Tekken final was when you went to get dinner. Right. <laughs> like yeah, that, yeah, like when right. Tekken came up in the Sunday finals, everyone's like, "Am I go get something to eat?" Yeah, it was like, a, yeah. and like now that's not true. Like, yeah. like Tekken is a Tekken is a real contender now. Yeah. Now you, I, now you get you go get food when Blaze Blue comes on. I should remember getting in some, a discussion, quote unquote, with someone online like last year about Tekken. They said that I had uh, disrespected the Tekken scene in some way. And they're like, you have no idea how big Tekken's becoming and blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, okay, well, if you're saying that, I'll go check it out. And they were right. Like, it mm-hmm. is actually starting to build no, quite the, an audience. The Tekken scene is bigger than it's been probably ever. Like, it, it, yeah. you know, Tekken 7 has really injected some new life into that community. And they've made the most of it, no question. Uh, let's see, then Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. Like three versions of Smash there's Brothers. There's Melee and there's four, and then there's going to be some demos of Ultimate. Of the new you one, play yeah. Ultimate there. I think there's de- uh, demos of Ultimate you can play there. Yep. It's probably the same thing as E3. Yep. Um, so yeah, Smash Brothers is there in a big way. Uh, I can't watch it. I find uh, I'm it not a big fan of watching it either. Although um, I will say last year, one of the best matches I watched was a Smash Brothers match. Take that for what it's worth. I find four or we, you know, for Wii U or whatever you want to call. It, I find that one more interesting to watch than Melee. I think Melee has gotten so. Yeah, Melee is the one. Melee is the one, but yeah. it's also like it's like it's super execution heavy, and it's just roll, 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 roll. You know, it's like, and I realize they're doing like a thousand inputs per minute or whatever on that thing, but I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't care. So, uh, then Blast Blue Cross Tag Battle is going to be there. I haven't watched anything of that 
so far. So I haven't either. I've never watched uh, any competitive Blast. I didn't even buy that. I've, I've totally missed it. I forgot it came out. Uh, then Guilty Gear Xerd Rev 2. Yeah. Is that the right way to say yeah. it? Xerd. Uh, I'll watch that. I like, I like watching Guilty. I've Guilty Gear is a beautiful Gear. game. Yeah. It's worth watching. And then the last of the big games is Injustice 2, which I was a little Still surprised kicking. to see that it's going to be there. It'll probably be the last year that it's there. But I then would think so. But I, it, I'm assuming Mortal Kombat. Would Mortal Kombat ever make it in? Mortal Kombat did. Did it? Yeah, the last Mortal Kombat. I don't know if it made it into the Sunday finals, but I mean, it's obviously always a presence. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, look, it's, if I Injustice can go I, in, why can't Mortal Kombat? They're basically the same engine. I think Mortal Kombat 10 was was uh, in, the, in the finals one year. And we should be seeing a new The, the thing about Injustice 2 is that it's the first NetherRealm game to really last, go the distance. No, you're right. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, still, it's still got a scene. It's still live. Um, I mean, obviously... It's a fun game to watch. Yeah, there's people that... Obviously, there's people that think that there should have been, you know, a different game in its slot. But, yeah. uh, I, I, it's, I but as far as, like, watching games being played, like we talked about Guilty Gear, how it's a fun game to watch because the game's gorgeous... Injustice is like that because it's mm-hmm. it feels like it's more varied when you watch it. Like a, a lot of times when you watch fighting game esports, you're kind of it's it's a it's a strategic head to head matchup, but you're also seeing a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you watch a game like Injustice Two, because of the fatalities and how the characters are also different. It's a little. There's a little more variety. Well, nobody when ever you watch. does the fatalities. No, you're right. In, yeah, in competition because right. <laughs> it just wastes time. Yeah, you get you get in trouble if you do that in a tournament. Is that scene. true? Oh yeah, like that. People get pissed because you're wasting time. But they won't like disqualify you or anything. I don't think they'll disqualify you, but you might get yelled at because like you're just wasting time. How about like if you win the final championship? Does that guy do a fatality? Yeah, they've done that sometimes. I, don't, I mean, I, that would be sweet, dude. I mean, yeah, <laughs> if you're if you're at that point, yeah. go ahead and do if the If you fatality. win the final match in grand finals, like you should be allowed to do a freaking fatality. <laughs> I would. I mean, but in generally it's considered to be sort of unnecessary unnecessary, unnecessary. unnecessary styling, you know. Yeah. Um it's like don't don't, you know, it's just like you don't uh, Try not to teabag too much yeah. in, in your Halo. <laughs> no, you're right. Kind of you're thing. right. You're absolutely right. So that's it. That's the rough overview of Evo 2018. Like I said, it's going on all weekend. It's going on right now. And it goes still pretty late. Yeah. Like, typically, there are matches going on until 11, 12. Well, then, well, then it's time for the, the salty sweet and the money matches. Right. Uh, which are now, you know, that used to be stuff that was all, like, just rumored. Hush, hush, yeah. Like, I got to go to a couple of those one year. It was, like, it was like being it was like being at Mecca for fighting game. Uh, that might be but, more interesting to watch. But, the, but now actually. they stream a lot of that stuff, and that's always you just watch Daigo walk into like some suite. Yeah, you, yeah a lot of times Daigo just throw just down like five hundred bills, and it's like, who wants? Who wants it? Like, yeah. that's actually more. And it's in Vegas. You can totally do it. Oh, it's totally fine. Plus, it's yeah. a game of skill anyway. You can bet on yeah. it. It's just like fantasy football. So maybe <laughs> I'm actually would be well, more ga- interested. It's only gambling if you're not playing. Right. <laughs> you're right. I actually would be maybe more interested in watching that. Then watching good. the official the only, tournament. The only issue with with those is... Um, do they stream them? A lot of times they do stream do they? them. Yeah, they've done that. And like the salty sweet stuff is streamed and all that. Um, the problem is that like they're totally not for the stream viewers. You know, like they, they go at their own pace and they kind of yeah, do yeah. their own thing. So it's not like, you know, sometimes you'll be waiting between matches and people like take their time. That's but it's cool a, though. It's like, a cool they, window. They take the camera off the sticks and walk around. And it's get... a cool window into the into the world. You could do something really cool with that, I think. Yeah. For sure. So there you go. That's Evo 2018 going on all weekend. We will have the master stream 
pinned to the top of everyone's SIFs all weekend. So if you jump to the site and you want to check out what's going on, um, you'll be able, be able to grab it right from the top of your SIFT all weekend long. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk lastly about Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Beta opened up this morning. Mm -hmm. At least that's what was supposed to happen. So the beta was supposed to kick off at 10 a.m. I literally logged in at 9.57 or 9.58. I was like, oh, I'll get in queue so I can start one of the first games. Dude, there are already people playing that were literally level 25 to level 30. Well, I'm sure there have been like smaller private things, or betas and stuff before this or an alpha or something. There hasn't been. This is Not that we a know. private beta. But they should have wiped everything clean. Mm. I got in my first match. I'm level one. I'm the only level one guy in there. Everybody else is at least level 10. Like, most are over level 20. Like, well, there must have been something else that happened before this. They thing. must have given... They probably let YouTubers go in mm -hmm. and play for hours before anybody else. I don't know. I mean, how do you set it up so it only launches for the YouTubers and it doesn't launch for everybody? I don't even know. Chad is saying it started up last night. It wasn't supposed to start no, up last night. No, it was supposed night. to start, start at 10 a.m. this morning. I wish they had told me that, if, or I had known that, because it would have made my day so much easier. Because mm. literally, I had to bust butt today to get on it at 10, play it for a couple hours, capture footage while I'm playing, cut it all down, render it all out. Yeah, WolfOx10JC says it opened for him yesterday at 9 p.m. Wow. And that would have been nice Vincent, to know. Vincent was curating IGN playing it on stream last night. Ah, uh, sifters. Sifted was on it. Hook even a, if you won't, I wasn't. Hook a brother <laughs> up, man. And my life would have been so much easier today. And consequently, Vincent's day would have been a lot easier today mm. because typically on Fridays I have to get ready for Game Face all day and I don't get to help him curate it all. So, wow. Well, that explains it. That's why people, even then... Think about it. 12 hours later, these people were already at like level oh, 30. Yeah. They played it all night. When I had, I had a, I, did, I had a lot of level ones. I didn't start playing. Until Why didn't close Activision to 11, tell me? But I was playing. The hell! I was playing with a lot, with a lot of level ones, but there was always like a level 10 and a level 25 or something. And they got one, one match. I was like, this level 25 was just. First off, he kept calling me the N word. Oh jeez. Which is incorrect. And, <laughs> yes. And in a number of rude, ways, <laughs> extremely wrong. And also, um, like, it was like this: some kid just yelling racial epithets and like screaming at people. How you? No, don't go that way. Everyone's over here. The, the, the way to the point is over here. You got to get the point through this. Side. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> the beta's been live a matter of hours. Yeah. Not everyone has to be pro quite yet. Just, just <laughs> dial it back a little bit. It was just like instant toxicity. Most of the voice chat that I have was just people saying, complaining about the lack of traversal. Uh, yeah, I can't well, believe I, I can't I saw, wall run. I can't believe I, I saw so many people like jump at walls and just fall. Yeah, like, like, people like it's. I, mean, I don't think they didn't know. I think it's just they're instinctive. Like they, they've gotten used to doing that, so they're instinctively yeah, yeah. trying to do it. I was surprised at how many people were complaining about it because you know a lot of people complained about the exosuit and the traversal, and mm -hmm. that's why we've seen this return to boots on the ground and all this crap. I def I, I def it definitely felt. Um, 
you know, movement-wise, it felt a little stilted, even as someone who hasn't played multiplayer in a long time. Although I will say, people were still pulling amazing stuff yeah. with the slides. Like yeah. there's a, a couple of those slide moves, I was just like, guy slid basically between my legs and killed me. And as he shot you in me. the crotch yeah. as he went underneath your legs. And I was just like, well done. Like, I, what, what can you say at that point? Like these guys yeah. are doing stuff that like, you know, you know, shooting me as they pass me sliding. I'm just like, I couldn't do that. There's well, no way that's I could do the that. other thing too about these betas is a lot of the players are their community people who are mm-hmm. really freaking good at the game like every match i played was like there was like one or two guys that were just like head and shoulders above everyone else like and you'd see like the replays of the kill cams or like or like the best uh, the because be- now like like overwatch so much overwatch borrowing in this they have like a play of the game kind of thing yep. And, like, you see them shoot and just, like, all the metal, 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 like, five medals popping up from their streak and from the bouncer thing and from the kill streak. And it's like, ding, 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 ding. You're like, I think these guys have played before. Yeah. Definitely some good players in there. Although I did hold my own today while I played. I think my KD was around, like, 1.2 or 1.3 when it was all said and done. I definitely had matches, though, where I got, like, two kills and died, I think I might have gotten 1.2 kills. Oh really? Total. I did not do well in this. Yeah, I, it was it was way beyond what I'm used to in terms because I haven't played Call of Duty multiplayer in four or five games. And these people have never stopped. Oh yeah, never yeah. stopped. Um, it's what it must feel like to play against me in Street Fighter. <laughs> it is actually it's it's the same thing. Uh, so I have been playing COD pretty much every year, and I did play about three hours today before I stopped and had to kind of handle all the footage that you're seeing right now. Uh, but I do have some notes that I took during my time playing it. Um, you're talking about how it's Overwatch-ish. Mm-hmm. That's very accurate. Not just with the kill cam at the end of the game, but the way the classes are set up. Yeah. Um, they've tried to do this before. And just aesthetically with the way Call of Duty is, it's very hard. Because you can't have like these weird like mm-hmm. cartoon characters. But you can see them pushing it as far as they as can. They absolutely yeah. can. So the character I was playing was called Nomad. And he had a pit bull that you right. could unleash. What to me seemed a little overpowered. Well, first of all, I only got the pit bull twice the whole time okay. I played it. So you can't see it because the graphic is up there. Maybe take it down just for a second, Sam. So you can see in the bottom center there, you have kind of three mm. icons. The one on the left is your health, which is the biggest change of all. Uh, there's no rebounding health in this game. Instead, you have to use health packs, and they're on a, it's on a cooldown. So mm-hmm. you can see the yellow one on the left. I, I, it's there. I can use it right now if I need to. So after you get shot, there's no rebounding health. You have to consciously make sure that you take that health. The one on the right in this character is Nomad. What he has, and I love this, this new item, is called a web mine. And essentially what you do is kind of like Spider-Man. You splat one wall with the first web, and then splat another wall with a second web, and it creates like a laser tripwire in between. And so you can be very, very sneaky with how you put those wires. And if they run through it, it's pretty much instant kill every time. And then in the center, you can see the little dog icon, and that's kind of his biggest ability. It's like a super, it's basically his ultimate. It is, it's his ultimate. And for this character, it's a pit bull that you unleash. I've seen that pit bull kill four people on my team all in one room. It's like, also a one hit kill, one which I kill. think is garbage. Yeah, no dog exactly is gonna I'm, kill yeah. a human with one Like bite. every time, he, when he jumped at me the first time, I was like, oh, we're gonna have to do like a thing where you wiggle with him and stuff, and that gives yeah. him a, sh- a chance to shoot me while I'm on the ground. No, no just boom, He, he actually dead. doesn't even look like he bites you. He just kind of lunges no, just at runs you and you, you just you. fall yeah. down, yeah. So anyway, as you kill or you inflict damage, you can see that little white meter Mm -hmm. fills up around that icon. And when it's full, you squeeze both of the shoulder buttons 
and that will enact your your ultimate yeah. ultimate. I played as um, I don't remember her name. She was uh, she kind of looked like Zarya. She had like pink hair. Yeah. And I she was like I think it was it may have a B. It was like Breach or something like that. No. Or yeah. Breach like, is no. I can't remember what her name was, but she had um, she had the health, and then she had a cluster grenade, which got me pretty much like ninety percent of the kills I got because you hit it and it blows up, and then it sends out little things. And it was good for corners. Yeah. And then her her ultimate was um, a grenade launcher, which also worked very well. Like the I was pretty happy with the powers in this. I thought they all were easy to use and effective and. I felt like it, they kind of leveled the playing field a little bit when I needed to against like the the, the kill leaders. Like I did okay against that once I had like that advantage in my corner. Yeah. Obviously, that only happens like once a match. Yeah. But like it was, they were good. It worked out. It was pretty cool. It's still a battle of the pings. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you run face to face into somebody, whoever has a lower ping generally wins that confrontation. And yes, Snub Barracuda, there is a grappling hook. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I don't know which character has it. I don't remember. I saw it in a replay. But I was, like, running, and some dude just yeah. came, like, wiring beside me. The, and it's a meaty grappling hook, it too. It is, it's, yeah. it's a... Yeah. Like, yeah. It, 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 and he it, goes whizzing past me, like, pulled, propelled good. by the hook. Yeah, it looks good. Very satisfying. Um, just some notes that I have. Uh, the score streaks, pretty much the same. You get points for everything you do, and then the streaks aren't based upon I got five kills, it's I got 550 points. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get to use a lot of the, well, there's just me trying to take down a score streak right there. I didn't get to use a lot of them. I only got to use like two different score streaks because you have to wait till you get to level five before you can even customize your character. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just, I'm just not so good, honestly, that I can just roll up score streaks like some of the, the pros are. Yeah, I would never even got close, I don't think. Yeah, I, I mean, I got, like, my, my bottom score streak is just a UAV, and I get that almost with every life. But, like, I never got, like, the attack helicopter, which is, like, a thousand or whatever. Mm. I did like that there's, I don't know if this is new to this game or if they've done this previously, but uh, when the attack helicopter was up, your character would glow red if it could see you, if you were in its field, field of vision. So, like, you knew if you were undercover or not, which I thought was a nice That is touch. nice, but here's another th a complaint I have with the score streaks is typically in Call of Duty, they give you an auditory heads up. They'll say, gunship in the air. Mm -hmm. and, and then they'll give you a little bit of time to get to cover, to get inside a building so the gunship doesn't kill you or whatever. And this one, it was like... Missiles incoming, and immediately you're just hit by the <laughs> missiles. Like, this was obviously a conscious decision by Treyarch. Like, I guess they want people to die to score streaks more than they were. And truth be told, if I think back, I really hardly ever died to score streaks in any Call of Duty for a really long time. And so... It did seem like something that you learned to manage pretty quickly. Well, yeah, or you would just get a heads up. It would yeah. be like, hey, here comes the gunship. Well, well crap, I'm going to run into a building until it goes away, or I'm going to pull out my rocket launcher and shoot it. This one, literally, they were like, Hell, Hellstorm missiles incoming. Bam, bam, bam. I'm just dead. Like, there was no heads up whatsoever. So take that for what it's worth. I think it depends on how you like to play the game, whether you're going to like that or not. Um, you can fire while clambering or mantling, mm. which is cool. Like, usually when you're climbing over something, you're just a sitting duck. Not anymore. Like, you can pull out a gun and, like, fire your sidearm while you're climbing over something. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, the audio. Did you crank up the audio while you were playing? Yeah, sounded good. Sounds real good, man. And I was playing it. I was capturing it. So I was playing it on my computer speakers. And I do have a little sub, like, for my computer or whatever. But, wow, the audio in this game sounds incredible. Like, 
just the hit marker sound effects, you know what the hit markers are when you get the little X's mm -hmm. for every bullet that lands? Like, I could feel every hit marker in my chest from my PC sound system. So the audio in this, I was really impressed with it. I mean, it was so impressive that I noticed it and decided I should bring it up. Map design, no choke points, which I think some people love. I like choke points in shooters. I like these places mm -hmm. where at least a few people from each team are together and kind of firing back and forth. In the maps that I've played in this so far, there's none of that. There was one in, um, I can't remember the name of the map, but basically it was, I was playing the, the capture stuff because they've got the two Overwatch modes now where you capture the right. two points and And then the moving points, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I was playing it and it was a map with like the point A, I think, was in a church, like a burned out church. And every single round, it came down to a massive firefight between both teams at that church. And that was, that was probably the most fun I had playing. It was, it was like everyone was kind of in the same place, running around, doing the guy in the window, guy down the stairs, up the stairs, coming the back over here. Like that was like a cool, because a cool, other, otherwise it, was, it just seemed very dis dispersed. And no one would, uh, you know, usually... You, I got shot in the back a lot. Yeah, it did happen. It didn't a happen as lot. much as World War II. I, I, I had more I fun. I had more fun playing. I did not particularly enjoy this overall because it's certainly not going to sell me the game. But I did have more fun playing this in the short time I did than than the time I played World War Two. Treyarch, always Treyarch. Treyarch already always makes the best Call of Duties, in my opinion. Um, but I, I felt like I guess, but like I always, I, I like. Well, I, I don't know. Infinity Ward that made my favorite up and down. are gone. Yeah. Because no, Modern Warfare Two was not three was not good. But uh, these maps are like labyrinths, so you can literally just get shot from it. And also, I had problems with spawning and literally running two steps and getting shot in the back. Um, again, when you have maps that are just a big grid, that's just going to happen. It's pretty much impossible for them to <laughs> create spawns that are, that are going to work 100% of the time. So I give a little bit of leeway on that. Um, there are three modes right now. That, that it's in the beta, uh, t uh, a variant of Team Deathmatch, but still it's really Team Deathmatch, Control, and then a Capture Mosh Pit. And the Capture mm -hmm. Mosh Pit is just like it cycles through all the different capture modes. And, and as you mentioned, there's basically a ripoff of Overwatch in there, which yeah. is a moving point that you have to attack or defend. I think it's even called Payload. Is it? Yeah. Um, I had connection issues. I got dropped out of like four or five games. It mm -hmm. is a beta. But I've been in every Call of Duty beta ever, and I've never seen connection issues. That makes me a little nervous. Um, I didn't have connection issues, but I did uh, run into things where, like, clearly uh, what was happening on my screen wasn't, this, uh, you know, the, the kill cam wasn't what I saw. Yeah, yeah. Or I'd, you know, I'd, I'd get, like, five or six hits on a guy, and then I'd just fall over dead, and yeah. he wouldn't be hurt. Yeah. Um, Again, that's like the ping battle I was talking yeah, about Yeah, but, I mean, my ping is real low. I mean, I got really fast internet here and you know wired connection to the ps4 and everything maybe compensating might be compensating way. somehow i don't know like I don't, I don't take it seriously enough to, that is the to problem really sometimes they try it. to fix it and it makes it worse for <laughs> for most people trying to make it fair uh i mean my reaction to getting killed in multiple in like multiplayer shooters tends to be pretty much be like well okay yeah like I, I don't i don't like react to it very yeah. much because i just don't care that much whereas if like a fighting game i will get very angry um <laughs> it all matters what you care about i guess here's something that i noticed that is a big deal that most people may not notice is the time in between each match is way longer than usual oh, call yeah, of duty games like it, it like for really long yeah like i was surprised. that to me they're gonna have to fix it because that is 
People don't realize that it's one of the most important elements of Call of Duty. Yeah, well, is how quickly you get in and out. Well, especially in this battle royale world. Yep. Where the absolutely. whole point is you're just going, going, just go going. Into the, and you just go to the next battle royale well, like when you saying, die. Like we, we would have like all ten players in, and it, we still got like seventy five seconds on the countdown clock. And I'm like, if you want, if you need to modify your character that badly, back out of the lobby. You know. Yep. Here's something else I noticed. How well it uses the speaker on the PS4 controller. Did you mm. notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Like. I, like, I, think I don't remember what it said, but I didn't, I didn't notice it. Yeah, That is an underutilized feature of the PlayStation 4, in my, in my opinion. I feel like developers should make way better use of it than they do. And this game does. Like, you get a headshot, you hear a ding from, yeah. the, from the speaker on the controller. When you get a kill... Shades, shades of kill zone. Yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. And when you get a kill and you see those little metals pop up, like that, yeah, that, that, was, yeah, that, that fires was out sound yeah. effects. Like, I was shocked at how interactive and how cool it was. Which is something I never even notice in most games. So I really like that. Um, wild cards return. We were showing you earlier your uh, create a character, your character loadout options. Um, wild cards return, which are basically extra perks that you can add on top of the perks that you have already. Um, yeah, and I think those are the notes that I that I took. But I would say overall, I enjoyed it. I actually had a lot of fun with this game today. I did not do great. I did not do bad. Considering people have been playing all night and I just jumped in, I was pretty happy to finish above a 1 KD. Uh, but I, ha I had a lot of fun with this today. And a lot of times whenever I'm under the gun, like getting ready for game face or whatever, and like I'm really harried or hurried, I don't enjoy playing games because I always have in the back of my mind, okay, I can't play this very long. I need to get this footage and to edit and cut it and blah, blah, blah. And that didn't matter. I enjoyed playing Black Ops 4 a lot today. Um, and when I get home tonight, I'm going to play it tonight and probably play it throughout the weekend. Uh, the way the betas are working is, to get into this one, you had to pre-order the PlayStation 4 version. It's only PlayStation 4 right now. Next weekend, it goes to Xbox One and PlayStation 4. And then I believe they flip the modes around on PlayStation 4. And then I think roughly a week after that, it goes to PC and then after that, we get the Battle Royale one, which mm. comes in, like, September sometime. They haven't announced a date for that yet. But um, it's if you pre-ordered it, you can get in now. If you haven't, I don't know how you're going to get in. Um, I got codes from Activision. I gave one to Matt, and I got one other one that I gave to Brent. So um, if I had extra codes, I would definitely give them to you guys. But that's all I got. Maybe I can ask and see if I can get a few more and try to get some of you guys in if you're interested. Um, and if you are... Send me a DM on Sifted. Just go at Shane in your messages and let me know that you'd like a code. And if I get one, the first people who message me on the site will be the first people who get them. So, um, and I'll be on all weekend playing if you guys want to jump in and play. In fact, somebody today, I always have my notifications turned off because when I'm capturing footage, I don't want like stuff popping mm -hmm. up. And I feel bad because a lot of times when I get done playing, I'll see that people have like asked to play or whatever. And that happened today with... Uh, Black Ops 4, I apologize. I saw messages from several of you guys wanting to play with me, and I absolutely want to play with you guys. But I have all those notifications turned off, and they don't come up on my screen while I'm playing, so I didn't know until it was over. So I'll try to remember to turn on notifications for this weekend, but if I don't, at the very least, I'll be sure to check them, and then maybe the next time when I play, I'll send you an invite, and we can get on and play together. So I'm having fun with it. Matt, you're, you really didn't enjoy it. I'm, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's not. It is. <laughs> I just haven't played COD for like mm. eight months or whatever, so I'm still back in like the the honeymoon phase. Well, I haven't played it for like eight years. So yeah, it, didn't, it, didn't... it it honestly doesn't feel that much different, other than taking away some of the 
the mm. traversal stuff. And it's just like without a campaign, like I got no. Yeah. Got no Will you reason. jump in and play Battle Royale? Here's the other yeah, thing. I do want to try the Battle Royale. Just don't to see how don't it is. Uh, remove it from your hard right. drive because every time they'll just update it and mm. you can stay in the beta as they roll out the new stuff. So. Yeah, I do want to try the Battle Royale. I'm interested in how that comes out. Yeah. But, they showed the first footage of Battle Royale this week. Did you see it? No. Just like a little 15, 20 second snippet. It looks like there's a lot of vehicles in Battle Royale. Hmm. Like they show like uh, one guy on like a, an ATV and then a helicopter is like attacking him. So and we had heard rumors that it was like one vehicle per map or whatever. That does not appear to be the was case. Is the helicopter player? It appeared to be, or is yeah. It, is it, are there skill streaks? Honestly, there's really no way to know. Are there score streaks in that uh, would be weird. Battle Royale? That would be weird. Yeah. But it Ma- would make it Call of Duty, wouldn't it? It would. Imagine racking up all those all those kills with just just a helicopter. <laughs> just flyer, one, yeah. And you're just hiding behind a bed. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I I had a very good first experience with Call of Duty. We'll see as it wears on across the weekend. Uh, I'm in the honeymoon period right now. I've only played a few hours of it. Maybe after I'm about eight hours deep and I start dealing with more of the community and playing against much better players, I may have a different story to tell. But for right now, I'm actually enjoying it. So. Time now for our trailer of the week. It's not a trailer for a video game, though. It is a trailer for the second season of Castlevania on Netflix. Have you seen mm. this yet? That's not the trailer, yeah. Yeah. When does it... Oh, it launches October, right? Yeah, it's a near Halloween. I think at the end of the trailer it shows you. So we've talked about the show before. Uh, we both felt like it got off to a really good start and kind of faded off towards the end. Hopefully, season two. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, again, I, I go back to it all the time. The first season of this was all act one. Yeah. It was just, it was, that's why it's all it was, set up. That's why it's unsatisfying. It was, it was his first episode was pretty good. It's backstory for why Dracula is the way he is. Yeah. And then they spend three episodes of Trevor being like, I just want to drink and not be a hero. Yeah. I just want to drink and not be a hero. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I get on with it. Now he's a hero. And then at the very end of, of, of the season, they finally got, everybody got together and they're like, oh, we better go kill Dracula to be continued. Screw you. <laughs> what do you think Castle, what do you think I'm here to see? Yeah, yeah. I'm not here to see a bunch of, you know, Mopey hemming and hawing and it's, it was it was dumb yeah well hopefully so. season two is better and here's the first look at it no further My generals, in killing my wife, humanity has proven to me that they don't deserve the Earth. We will scour them off the land. My father, he's gone mad. And now he's going to destroy the world. Human scheme and betray. They all must die. Imagine it. A world without humans. Under endless night. My God. Dracula has to be destroyed. We can't fail. Enough. 
There it is, October 26th. That is sure to pop off at least uh, 20 or 30 YouTube copyright strikes. So mm. we, may have, we have to remove that from the final uh, version of the show. But those of you who are on the chat and on the stream, you got to see it live. Uh, let's see. Who could have, who, how could we have ever guessed who would ask the first question of the night? Hmm. It's W. Matthew, who always asks the first question. Uh, what do you two think of the Xbox Scarlet stuff, in particular the local compute stuff from the Microsoft R&D video showing off how they will most likely pull it off? Um, it's an interesting idea. Basically, they've got... Uh, the game doesn't stream entirely. It like kind of locally computes immediately stuff, and then like sort of, as you move through the game, different parts get installed temporarily on your hardware and that's how it plays it so like you, you ostensibly you lose the lag problem because you're still Buffering, playing it locally basically. it's just slightly um my question my question I mean, that's cool that's a cool way to solve the problem seems really complicated that's going to require one hell of a stable connection that i don't think the majority of the country has access to yeah so, nice uh it won't be the one i buy yeah i'll still buy the disk-based version uh, I I like. I'd rather just download the whole thing. I guess yeah. it's, it's just not an issue for me. Yeah. I don't need to stream stuff. I like that they're trying to find smart workarounds yeah. and smart ways to make it work. But I mean, it's great for the people. Yeah, I with, feel like they're just grasping at straws right now. Like I, I, just, I don't. I feel like it's a solution in search of a problem. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, let's see. Uh, J. Reed Vic 7 bought the Life is Strange complete season and the ultimate Xbox sale. Don't remember the game face when you guys talked about it. What was your perspectives on it? Worth playing, good or great game? Good game. Not great. I thought it was almost great. Close. There. We're definitely worth playing. Yeah, I, th I think the, the last episode is a little disappointing for various reasons. Yeah. But you um, can't really explain why without no. spoiling. But overall, like I mean, absolutely worth playing. And oh, yeah. one of the best entries in its kind of permutation of the genre in, in quite some time. I'll tell you this, it's way better than the last three seasons of The Walking Dead. True. Absolutely. And it's better than everything but the first season of The Walking Dead, in my opinion. It's probably the best adventure game I've played since the first season of Walking Dead. I would say. Other than going back and playing old point and clicks. Uh, what else? Do, 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 do. Um, hey, Shane, any update on any new merch coming to the store? I asked a couple months ago, and you said to stay tuned for future updates. Yes. I've been thinking about new merch for quite a while. Uh, <laughs> we almost sold all the shirts the first run. At this point, I think we have like 30 mediums and like 10 smalls left. And uh, we can't even give those away at this point. They're only like five bucks. So if any of you guys are a smaller medium, uh, keep me from, save me from throwing them into a dumpster and order the last few shirts. Uh, I've been thinking about new merch for a while. In fact, we need to make merch as one of our Patreon rewards. So I need to make at least one design for Patreon rewards. And then I want to make one other design just for anyone. Um, the problem is coming up with the designs. The designs before I basically created myself, either, well, one was just a logo, so that was easy, but then like the, the new Sifted logo that we use is something that I actually created, but I wanna make something that actually has a piece of art on the front of the shirt instead of just our logo. Uh, the logo would then probably be on the back or something, but I wanna make it like something fun. 
um, and I need to find an artist to work on the designs. And I know there's somebody that either watches this on our Patreon or watches it on Sifted or ends up watching it on YouTube who is a great artist who can do work for us. And if you're one of those people, we would much rather keep the work in the family than farming it out to somebody else. So again, like earlier, if, you, if you're interested, you're an artist, you wanna create a design for us, message me on the site, at Shane uh, through our DMs, and uh, make sure you, hold, you uh, include a link to your portfolio, show me some of your work. And uh, I would love, love, love to have a fellow sifter create the art for our next round of shirts. So there you go. Um, Damp Tau Man, do you think some games fail because they're too different? Could Onrush have done better if it had a traditional racing mode? Well, I think if you actually look at the games like that we talked about, yeah, I mean, most of those games are a little different and a little weird. Yeah, and it can be hard to convince someone to take a, take a fairly expensive dive into something they aren't sure about. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I think Onrush was doomed one way or the other. Like, I, I think it's just that, that genre is having a lot of trouble getting any kind of traction, no pun intended. Yeah, I don't think Onrush being more typical or normal would have helped it at all. I no. think whatever success it's had, it's had because some people have picked up on the fact that it is different. Um, I think if it were just a ripoff of Forza Horizon or whatever, I think it would have done even worse, to be honest with you. Because everyone knows another Forza Horizon is coming in a couple months, and you know what you're getting with that franchise. You're going to get one of the best racing games on the market. So, um, Marketing. It's, that's the hard part about marketing is when you have something that is different or unique, how do you, it, I, we've had to do it. So we find a game that we like and we're trying to convince maybe one of our more casual friends to buy it. You've been there, I've been there, it's tough. When you're standing there and you're trying to convince that person for why they should spend 60 bucks on something that they think is risky, mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to come up with the right words at the right time. That's not our job though. It's the job of marketers to do that. And in my opinion, they failed uh, regarding all the games we talked about in this episode. Uh, Score Fear. Futuristic question. Do you see people living most of their day in VR or in an online world? Actually, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, something like Ready Player One. If and when that happens, Matt, will you still care about your Transformers collection? I just watched, by the way, perfect timing. I just watched Ready Player One last night for the first time in 3D. I rented it on DirecTV in 3D. The movie is really bad in some ways, but I will say this, it was awesome to watch in 3D. Mm. It is the first movie I've watched in forever where I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I watched this in 3D. It's also nice to dust off my 3D glasses and mm. use the 3D on my TV for the first time in forever. Uh, the last movie I watched was Blade Runner on in 3D. And uh, I watched it and because of the 3D, I remained entertained throughout the movie. But man, there are some really there's some really stupid stuff in that movie. Well, Have you yeah. watched it? Ready Player One? Yeah. No. Oh, you haven't watched I it. I will. I will not probably. There's ever so watch. many lo leaps of logic and just stupid stuff. I've seen. I mean, I've read enough about. Put it this way: uh, it's infinitely better than the book. Yeah. Which is one of the single worst things I have I've ever heard that read. From in everyone my life. I respect has told me it that is terrible. Astoundingly bad. Heard that. The only compliment I can give it is that it's better than the next book he wrote, which is even worse. Have you ever? Do you ever watch those videos on YouTube called "Everything Wrong with" and then the movie title? No, I hate those. Well, 
I watched, I watched. I'm sure a there's a lot of room for this, but the problem. I, oh, I, this is fodder for that oh, show. Yeah, let me tell you. My <laughs> thing is that that that's Cinema Sins, and they um, basically a lot of their jokes. They have like two or three good criticisms per video, and the rest of it's just mis- willfully misunderstanding basic plot story and telling Some of it. to like make a stupid joke, and right. I, and and it just sort of feeds that like annoying cynical like anything that i think is even slightly hard to understand is a plot hole thing. i've never managed to watch one to the end they're they're i get about like two or three minutes in and i just i turn it off but but this movie will is fodder for that show let me yeah. tell you. i i honest trailers every time honest trailers is the superior form of that but I can see, I could bet, like, for, like, a super nitpicky, dumb thing like that, I could see Ready Player One's video being, like, 20 minutes long. Um, yeah, I might watch it at some point if I find it for, you know, on cable or, like, on Netflix or something, but, like, I am not going out of my way to see that piece of shit. I watched it in 3D, and I actually enjoyed myself watching it. And I watch it to the end. Like, a lot of times when I watch movies late at night, I'm usually just so wiped out from working all day that I fall asleep, and I stayed up for this whole thing. It didn't end until like two in the morning or whatever. I managed to stay up for the whole thing. That's usually a sign that at least it was entertaining, but not a great film. Anyway, to his question, do we ever see people living there? And I'll tell you one thing, watching that movie made me realize that I never want to live in that existence (laughs) where you live your whole life in this fake reality. That is the one thing I learned from watching that movie is that I would never ever want that in a million years living my entire life in some virtual world that said it's probably coming really Um, maybe not soon enough for us to worry about it i mean but like scary like people people that we'd be old enough to be the grandparents of probably i mean that's a really scary idea uh well and then you get into like the political and socioeconomic ramifications of like well you know i mean the, the movie touches on that where everybody lives in fucking horrible trailers that are stacked up in the middle of slums and like the only way to go anywhere that's even slightly entertaining or positive is to use the the vr thing yeah uh but yes i would still care about my transformers because you can, <laughs> you can touch them that's right it's the whole point well i think that was the point of the movie though is that like these people had lost touch with anything they could mm-hmm. touch it was disturbing to me. Like I, Here's I feel th- like the movie tried to present it as like this utopia where we're all headed. Like, and it was well, no, just. Well, no, it's. I mean, I guess the book maybe does. I, I, I felt like the the movie, the movie is torn between wanting to present it as like, oh, look at all these cool things you remember, versus like, oh, this is actually a dystopia. And but if you admit that too hard, you can't enjoy the fact that. The Iron Giants running around or with Freddy Krueger or whatever. Yeah, but you know? see, here's the other thing, too. I, I completely misunderstood the movie before I actually watched it. Like, I thought the whole movie was filled with that stuff. It's not. Like, it's just a scene at the end mm. where all the characters are. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is just but like, still hey, this around. is my avatar in right, VR. But he's still driving around in the DeLorean and, you know, it's sprinkled yeah, in. The, she's yeah. still riding the Akira bike. It's all over the place. But, yeah. like... The the I mean also like it's just not a believable depiction of oh, no. of, of that kind of a world because and I'm not the first person to make this this observation but like first off not nearly enough furries yeah you're like, right run <laughs> like there would be yeah. way more original characters running around there would be way more like stuff like that it's just like the idea that everybody would in the book has a whole thing where like pop culture basically stopped in 1990 yeah. so that's why everything is a reference to 80s stuff right. except there's a bunch of stuff about firefly from joss whedon's firefly in it and i'm like you know that came after 1990 yeah. right like you can't even keep that straight 
Um, there was a lot of stuff that they did not keep straight in no. that movie. <laughs> but it was just, I don't know. Yeah. No, I will not give up the, con- you know, the, the tangible collectibles in exchange for, I don't know, some VR version of them. I'm, although I'm sure that would exist in that scenario. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not, that's it's not a comparison I would ever think to make, I guess. All right. So that's it. We got to wrap it up. It's been three hours. That's our, mm-hmm. that's our break point. It's time for us to go. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks to everybody who's on the stream. Uh, thanks to everybody on YouTube who has subscribed through Twitch Prime. I have been blown away by how many people have taken the time to do that. Um, if you're seeing this for the first time, you don't watch Pactor Factor, you can figure out how to do that down below in the description. Uh, it's very easy. It literally takes like a minute. And I have been shocked at how many people actually took that minute to give us a free $2.50. Mm. The big drawback being you have to do it every month, which would really be nice if people could just subscribe and stay subscribed. But unfortunately, you have to go and resubscribe every month. So Also, our friend uh, Guy Branham had a book come out this week. That's right. If you, uh, It just came out this week? Came out Tuesday. See, I yeah. have seen him promoting it for so long. Oh, yeah, I thought he's been, been tweeting been about for it for forever. Yeah. But uh, he doesn't know we're doing it, but there it is. Yeah, Guy was the My one of our... My life is a goddess. He was our writer on X-Play. He yep. wrote all the raps for Adam he and Morgan. He wrote X-Play and... Uh, now he's blown up. Oh, he's, he's, like, he's all over the place. Now he's on camera. Yeah, but yeah he's just, it's a, his memoir of growing up in uh, rural Northern California, large, gay, and really, really smart. And it's lethal ex- combo. Extremely funny. Um, he's you know just very, very highbrow stuff in some places, but also like just. You know, very nerd and geek related. He's smart. He, he's funny. He's, the man, he's the man, a, the, uh, a great writer. He one of the ways he got when he first sent his writing samples in, like he had a really like obscure Dune reference in one of the things, and I'm like, oh my god, there's a Dune, and like that was apparently one of the things that like they're like, oh Matt liked the Dune reference, so let's call him back or something. Yeah. And like so, yeah, he knows his sci-fi writing. He know, there's a there's a chapter where he starts out talking about his sister and ends up it mostly ends up being a rundown of Canadian history. <laughs> that he then attempts to bring it back around to his sister at the end, and I think he more or less pulls it off. But uh, it's really funny. There's also an audiobook version that he reads himself. If you could listen to listen to that, that's probably the best way to actually read it. Is he's he's very very funny. He's a stand-up comedian. He's very funny, very good at reading his own material. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I haven't gotten to the point where he gets into tech TV. Where he talks yet, about so, us. So I don't know if he talks about us at all. <laughs> but yeah, he was one of the people that uh, made us what we are. So yep. if you if you feel, find it in your heart to support him and his book, uh, I would appreciate that. You can also watch Talk Show the Game Show, which Talk Show the Game Show he hosts right now, which with is K- a really really cool great show. show with Casey Schreiner as the and main judge. Another another Tech TV G4 guy. Um, we're yeah. everywhere. We are absolutely. So that's it. Game Face episode one thirty six is up and out. <laughs>